Yo, we are back with another Black Window Cream podcast. It has been a fucking minute um, since we've dropped any episodes, and I'm sorry, but before my apology, I just want to let you know that today's episode is going to be a little different. Today, I'm having my good homie. He's an amazing director, producer, Andrew Sandler. He's coming on to interview me. I've had him on the podcast before, and you should definitely check out that episode, but recently, I've just had so many requests from people who want to hear my story, and so I thought it was right to have Andrew host it since he's been there for most of my climb. Um, if you're interested in hearing how I got to where I am today, stay tuned for the episode. Now, back to my apology. I'm sorry that we've been MIA on the podcast, and let me tell you, the second half of 2018 was a roller coaster for me. I went on tour with Beyonce and Jay-Z, I was their main videographer, and we literally traveled the whole world together on the On The Run 2 tour, which was tough to keep the podcast alive while traveling, but... I had the intention to do it. It's just, and we did do a few episodes, but it was just impossible to make it happen every day. Um, and for that, I am sorry. But we had a few weeks before the holiday break and my boy David Malave and I, we sat down with our squad and we started brainstorming on how we could get back on track with this podcast. But not just getting an interview out once a week. We wanted to be at least doing two episodes every week. So every Wednesday, every Sunday, we're dropping new episodes and we have two incredible interns that are helping us get these episodes out. They're on top of that. We're diving into many ways that we will be able to take Black Window Cream private community and excel that to new levels and offer even more insights to all of our members, which is fucking exciting. We have so many plans, so many goddamn plans. I can't wait to roll them out and continue to build Black Window Cream to become the leading space for creators to come and educate and to build relationships within the industry led by industry leading professionals. When I started this community, I remember saying I wanted to create a space that I wish I had when I was getting my start. And we've fucking did it. We have over 4,100 members at this point, counting. Um, they're actively shooting the shit in our private group on Facebook. They're sharing ideas, they're asking questions, providing tips and tricks, and connecting with each other all over the world. As we enter the new year, I'm going to commit to Black Window Cream 100%. So much so that I'm turning down production jobs so I can focus more time and attention to the community and its needs. There is a massive need for proper education, and I feel like there are so many creators who are out there offering fucking terrible advice. Motherfuckers running around shooting BTS videos for one music video, and then they're turning around saying that they're the GOAT, and this is why you should buy my LUT pack, and here's some fucking other thing I made, and here's a whole shit ton of courses that you can take to become a filmmaker. You are not a filmmaker. You're just getting started. And I'm not saying that I'm a professional who knows it all either. I'm just getting myself started. That's what makes Black Window Cream different. I'm not the only one running this. I've actually brought in GOATs who are making massive ways in the industry, real professionals. Some of them are in the private community talking with you every day. Some of them make enough time to chop it up with me for a few hours on the podcast and drop gem after gem after gem. And they give that to me to give to all of my members in my community. And best of all, we have a fucking community full of creators, big and small, new and old. Everyone's a student and we are all coming together to learn. It's fucking brilliant. And with that being said, I'm excited to announce that I just launched our Black Window Cream Patreon page. If you haven't heard of what Patreon is, it's basically a platform where fans can support their favorite creators. I like the idea of Patreon and I thought it would be a great way for our community to support our community. Our private community will still remain free to be a part of and the podcast will still remain free to listen to and watch. 
We just make it so that if you contribute, you get access to the podcast a week early and some other fucking fire exclusive perks. So far, I've given thousands of hours of my time to build this group up and maintain it. I've exhausted many of my bridges to get it up and running, but I've been lucky enough to have amazing friends help me out by managing the group, lending me their expertise in designing a brand, offering their time to help me shoot a podcast or edit an episode, reached out to use some of their favors to get fire guests on the podcast. I've got and have had A1 interns from the start who go hard as fuck and cut each podcast episode for me. They make solid blog posts for me. They post that shit on the website. I've gotten lucky and want to eventually be able to hire these people. They help me help the community. Above that, I just want to invest into the idea, turn it into a massive educational system. I couldn't learn any of this from the college I went to, and I'm sure most of you guys can relate. We all signed up for a career where there is no security. You don't know when the next paycheck will come. To get education on the subjects that we have to learn, you literally have to put yourself into debt, thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars into debt. To me, I'm trying to reinvent the wheel, and Patreon seems like a good place to start. I'm going to be attacking brands as well. I'm going to try to get them on board as well to support the Black Widow Cream movement, get some serious sponsors and create some big contests for the community, which will hopefully lead to getting some dope prizes and shit that we can give away. Make the podcast more professional, get more editors on staff so we can increase our output of episodes per week and YouTube content, create proper courses that are fucking affordable, create networking meetups, bring everyone together. All for you, so you can make it to the top easier than I did with the tools and knowledge I didn't have coming up. Fuck, this shit is exciting. I can talk about all the ideas I have for the community until I'm blue in the face, but for now, I just want to say thank you. If you support Black Window Cream in general, thank you. If you support by contributing to us on Patreon, thank you. I can't do this without you, literally. I'm excited to be a part of this as we continue to make it grow. Thank you, and if you want to support just open up your web browser right now and type in jointhehomies.com if you're trying to be a homie and support the wave. All right, I'm done with this intro. If you become a Patreon member, then you can go listen to next week's episode a week early because you know you get that dope-ass perk of listening to next week's episode before everyone else does because you're a homie. All right, that's it. Enjoy the work week. Keep creating. And without farther ado, I bring to you my interview with myself, uh, hosted by Andrew Sandler, and the most epic podcast intro ever created right motherfucking now. Attention. If you stop this podcast recording at any time, you will die. I don't want to die. Do you want to live? Yeah. You have 24 hours to share this podcast with five people or you will die. I'm kidding. You won't die. You're just weak shit for not sharing. And the winner of the best motherfucking podcast goes to... Goes <gasps> to... Black with no cream. What do you think? It's so fucking dumb and so fucking Ben Haggerty. I knew you would say that. And we are back with another. That's scary. Yeah. <laughs> and we're back with another Black with No Cream podcast episode. Today is a different type of episode. I have my good friend Andrew Sandler on. As um, we've had, we did an episode prior. So if you're a noob, um, scroll back in the feed to episode. I don't fucking know, but just search Andrew Sandler. What episode were you on? Do you know? Uh, I don't know which one, but it's the longest one. So if you search it's, it that way. We talked for a while. We drank um, a bunch of coffee and then we switched to wine in the middle of that interview. But I, I'll credit you. I'll talk about you in the intro intro. But Andrew is a fucking great director, producer, and runs this motherfucker and put my ass on when I moved to the city. Thanks, dog. Ah! Pew, pew. But um, yeah, talk real quick about some of your credits, some of the things you've done. Uh, we worked on the Chris Brown documentary together, the Mary J. Blige documentary. 
Thank you. I was just you. fixing your mic. Sorry. Um, uh, I've worked on a ton of music videos and commercials and been fortunate This dude's produced to, uh, like so much shit and directed and like, I w- how many views do you think accumulate, like accumulatively? Is that a word? Yeah. I think, I think, uh, I think we had somebody do once and it was over a billion views. No, it was 2 billion. 2 billion? Some dumb number. Maybe yeah. not. I don't know. Maybe it's a billion. This motherfucker has a lot of work out there on the internet that's gotten a lot of attention. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Keep talking about yourself. <laughs> you tell tell people about that's your, it that's what it. Do you mean that's it that's all right. it all right and and we are finessing a, a creative collective slash production company which we haven't announced the name of that yet because every time we think about it andrew just goes are you sure you still want to do that name and i say yes so can we just say it if we say it right now that means for sure sure you can say it i'll say it our, so we're going to start like a production company. We don't like that shit. Like we want it to just be a creative collective um, and we're going to build out this thing. We can't tell you too much about it, but the name is fucking dope because our whole idea is there's a lot of shitty people in this industry and we've worked with a bunch of them and it's annoying. And so our, our whole purpose in life, I think, is to be a good human. So Ben, Andrew, be a human. That's it. Be That's human. it. Be human. So if you like that, drop a comment below and let us know. <laughs> let us know because we might change it. We don't know. We don't know. We haven't figured That's it out. That's it for now. But the idea is that for it to be creative collective and be able to build up uh, talent artists who might not otherwise get their shot at doing music videos, commercials, and content in general at the level that we want to be playing at. Right. So. Yeah. So that's cool. That's going to be dope. Um, but anyway, so today, the reason why we're doing this podcast episode is I've had a lot a lot of fucking people message me over and over again. And and a lot of them are like, if they're in LA or something or whenever I'm traveling, they just want to meet up and grab coffee. And they're like, I just want to, I would love to just pick your brain and hear how you got to where you are today. I've been asked that a fucking million times. So what I wanted to do was just, I, I think I got like five one day, like last week. And I was just like, fuck, I'm about to throw on the headset and just start talking. But I know if I just start trying to tell my story, um, I'll just fuck get off on a tangent and what better way so to I'm not here, do I'm that? here to keep you on track. <laughs> yeah. What better way to not do that than a guy <laughs> that directs documentaries. Direct, I'll, I'll, I'll have uh, my interview directed by the guy that directed Chris Brown's documentary. <laughs> I'll do that. I'll take that right now. Um, so I asked Andrew if he would do it and we kind of like, I tried to help him in my earlier years and outline some of the stuff with Dave. We both like, all went down on the um, kind of like an, a template. So he's going to try to, keep me on course and just ask me some shit. But I, my main goal is just, I just want to share it and get it out of the way. It may, I don't know if you'll like it. Sorry. If you don't want to hear my story and you're used to me interviewing other people, you can fucking go listen to one of the other 50 episodes. <laughs> I almost did 50 episodes. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Huh? You can listen to those. You should start with Andrews though. Cause we did talk for a long time, but it, I really love your interview. Cause I think we talk about some dope shit and people really seem to vibe with that interview. Yeah. But anyway, that's the goal. So um, I'm excited to hear your perspective on some of the things that we might've touched on in that interview today from your side, which uh, is cool. Me interviewing you about it. Interesting. So interesting. Let's, let's see if people can listen to that and this and yeah. then kind of put together. So, yeah. Cause some, we don't you know, learn how we stories. met each other and all this shit. Okay, cool. So anyway, but it's about you. Let's get, let's get to it. Okay. Cut to the cool intro. <laughs> Cut to our sponsors. <laughs> Don't got any. <laughs> All right, we're back with, for the sponsors. Thanks, everybody. Uh, don't forget to use those codes. <laughs> All right, let's jump into it. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, we're going to take it back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. I want to hear about what was like. what it was like growing up in Iowa, a little bit about your childhood. Midwest, you heard. Okay, so 
Uh, I guess for my childhood, man, I'm so glad that we did this and I tried to outline this because I'm like, I would have already not gone here. <laughs> I think growing up, for me growing up, like, I, I don't know, I did, I've done a lot of shit. Like, especially now, I just made, by this, by the time this video, or this podcast comes out, that light's bright as fuck. Um, by the time this podcast comes out, my Patreon video would have come out, which I just made and I showed you it yesterday. And making that video, I have like, you know, a bunch of hard drives with all my old footage on it. And it's crazy to look through some of that shit because I'm like, fuck, I've done so many different things since, I don't know, creatively. Like once my creative shit started, I've just done so much shit. But like as a kid, I always would have a camera. I think my dad had um, like a little dad cam or whatever back, you know, back in the day. And so we'd always, I think I'd shoot like music videos with my sister, and my brother, um, Backstreet Boys videos or something. <clears throat> just kind of, I would direct that shit or star in it. Who knew? Did but, you watch TRL? Uh, no, I didn't. I don't know what I watched when I was a kid. I mean, I was on and what was Ryan Seacrest on? I'd see his shit sometimes. Like American Idol? No. What did he host? This is Ryan Seacrest on blah, blah, blah. I think American Idol. No, dog. This is American Idol is way long. All like right. that was like last year that that shit started. But I would, I would, uh, I didn't watch that much shit. I just thought it was cool, and we would film shit. And I just, I just saw like Backstreet Boys and these bands like up there doing dope shit. Actually, the reason why I fucked with Back, Backstreet Boys so hard was because uh, <laughs> why are we talking about them? Uh, because they did a performance and they wore motorcycle chest protect, like dirt bike chest protectors, and I would rode dirt bikes when I was a kid. And so I thought that shit was, I thought they rode dirt bikes. I was like, oh my God, they're fucking actually cool. They can sing and dance and they fucking do motocross. Like me, I can sing and dance and do motocross. So I think I thought they were dope for that. And then we just started to emulate them and make videos and and whatnot. I don't know. And what age was this? Fuck. Whenever they were popping. This is like, like high school or pre-high no. school? No. <laughs> No dog. <laughs> like just I don't know. Catch you there. I honestly don't know when I they were. To the Backstreet Boys I just remember school. doing that to them. But I might. I, I mean, it could have been to every other artist that was on the radio. We would just always pick up and shoot shit. Like when I, like second, first grade. Like I remember being in my friend's basement, like shooting videos all the time. And I have no idea where the footage went. But I remember we would make like, uh, his mom was like a my friend's mom was like a arts and crafts lady or whatever. And so she had she would always buy like paints and stuff like this. And I remember one time trying like painting our bodies green to make like a horror film or whatever. And we would like paint ourselves green. I don't think we ended up shooting it because I had like my whole stomach and my face and everything was painted green and to dry off quicker so we could shoot quicker. I'd ride my fucking bike around the block to cool my shit down. So I'm just cruising. I remember it like got so hard on my face. Like it was like a massage thing where it felt so good and the wind and everything was just like perfect at the time where I just like kind of shut my eyes and my bike went off <laughs> off the street and I smoked this tree like fucking hit this shit that was just you know it was battles, battle wounds or whatever is that right. why your face is like that? <laughs> shit <laughs> shit it could be it hey. could be bro but yeah you know right, what I mean? so who else, who else were you listening to who else were you watching that, that you think uh, influenced you today uh, or influenced your music even which we'll get to right so musically <clears throat> I moved to so I lived in Waterloo, Iowa until I was in second grade, third grade, I moved to my house in Cedar Falls and I hated it. I fucking hated it. We like kind of lived on the brink of like being in the country. So I was like two houses away from technically living in the country. So we were around cornfields and shit and the neighborhood was just a bunch of old people. And my mom laughs about this shit all the time. Cause she's like, felt really bad that she took me from our cool neighborhood in the city and then like put me out here. And then I just was like not making friends with nobody. She's like, Oh, in like three months he'll make friends with people. But 
then three months later she said she swears that she walked outside one time and i had the basketball and i was throwing it against the fucking wall and i was just hitting i go i hate this fucking house or i didn't say fucking back there i hate this house i hate this house and i was just like hated it i couldn't make friends with no one and then at some point my neighbor i met my friend matt schmidt shout out to matt he uh I met him like in like seventh grade or sixth grade or early on fourth grade. I don't know. And he played in a band. So he had like this little rock band or whatever. And I remember going over there and getting to hear them play. And he like showed me. And then my dad bought me drums at one point um, for like Christmas. So I got drums and I never knew how to play them. And I think Matt was going to try to teach me. Matt didn't really know how to play that shit. And so I just remember seeing their band thinking that was so cool and going to my first show in like seventh grade maybe and we were in you know uh catholic school i went to catholic school so when i went to this punk show it was like my first time seeing punk kids and these people that were like going against the grain and blah 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 and i I was wearing fucking uniforms to school every day and didn't know much about anything outside of the world like 9-11 i felt like i didn't get it i didn't understand it because of my grasp of the world and geography and like what the reality of that was I couldn't it didn't make sense to me so going to a punk show I I like saw these people and it I was like what the fuck is all this shit these kids are like fucking moshing and punching each other and jumping around but it was all for like sport almost and then the bands are playing and everyone's like respecting this music and shit I just remember thinking it was so cool and then Matt's band ended up becoming like the goat in our town so like we would go to that band shows all the time and that started like introducing me to traveling bands that were they would open for and it would be like small shows like 50 people in a we had this place called the fsu garage and it was like this tiny ass little garage with a shit ton of mattresses in it that we, people would steal nasty as fuck <laughs> nasty as fuck and we had like little baby jesus's that someone stole from a manger oh <laughs> i swear to god and they'd hang them up on the ropes and we'd hang and we'd fucking like grab the shit and swing across and like everyone would mosh and jump around and you'd run in mattress mosh and this shit was so cool but i'm like eighth grade ninth grade going to this shit like exposing myself to all kinds of shit at one point like all these dudes were young living in this house. Your family, did your family support this? Or, yeah. And are you the first creative in your family? Yeah, I'm the oldest too. So I was like the first, I mean, I, obviously they didn't know what the fuck was going on in my, they would like try to take me to shows or whatever. And not like those, like they'd bring us to some shows, but they didn't really get it. Um, they just knew I liked it and I was getting into music and shit. So it was cool. Cause they, I feel like they always supported me. Even when we tried to like p- push the limits and be like, can we go to Minneapolis? Like that's like three hour drive. We wanted to go up there and see a show. And it was like really hard to get everyone to let us all drive. But eventually when we were getting like 16, 17, they would start letting us go or we would sometimes go and try to do all this shit. So I don't know. I just remember that, that getting introduced to like punk music and rock music and that like kind of opened up my eyes to what I was like listening to and seeing because at the time all i was listening to was like what was on the radio like radio rock and roll which is trash and then uh like radio rap which is nothing really but i didn't really know anything else from other than that you know what i mean i wasn't introduced to anything until i got into that punk scene which was cool i don't remember what the question was <laughs> you answered it <laughs> tight <laughs> um so when did you so music was a big factor in your early childhood but how did that play into <laughs> being like other types of creatives videography right anything else that you remember early on um well like whenever we would so cool then i go to shows i start putting on shows i would like book my own shows me and my friends we all did it and so we would book bands from out of town that would come through and like 
hey, we're looking to play, like, any money we can make would be cool, yada, yada. That was kind of, like, the style of it at the time. That was, like, there was, like, a big genre of how artists toured. They didn't have tour managers. They didn't have booking agents. That shit wasn't a thing. So you would get on MySpace, and you would, like, lay out the, the map around the U.S. and be like, all right, cool, it takes 400 miles to get to the city. That's If we can make 50, 60 bucks that way, we could get to the next. You know what I mean? It was really like that. So I started throwing on shows, and I remember seeing my friend Tim, who is in Matt's band. Tim had a camera who was also on, Tim was on this podcast, Everyday Astronaut. Tim had this video camera and it was like the dope skateboarding ones. You know what I mean? The ones that you hang up from the top. And I was like, what the fuck? Like a Panasonic, whatever the fuck. And I remember seeing that and thinking it was like the coolest shit. And he was at a show, he's shooting. And I'm like, oh my God. And I just really was obsessed with the idea of like filming things and, and music. So somehow at that point, like, I don't know if that triggered it. And then I just started like taking classes that had cameras and trying to get my hands on them. And then we would start skateboarding all the time. So we're doing like punk shows, going there, shooting the shit at the shows, not like cinematically or stylistically. It was just like film capture shit. Like no one was really doing it. Like some of our friends would only be, there'd be like one person with the, the photography camera with the flash and they're catching these cool punk shots. Um, but which, you're, you're telling stories without possibly even realizing at the time. Yeah. Though, right. Like MySpace. like we're literally sharing the shit on MySpace. So you could create identities by sharing these images and these things that you were doing before vlogging, before all the, like the idea of sharing socially made sense. You know what I mean? It was just kind of like, we actually had message boards. So we would get on these message boards and we would create like conversations all the time. So I get home, check AIM or whatever, and AIM. you remember, holler at all the girls and see what's <laughs> going on in their info. And if I made the cut, inside jokes, and then uh, and then I would get on um, fucking this message board, and we we had the Iowa hardcore message board. So I would get on this message board. It's like all the people that were into hardcore music in Iowa or, or music in that vein. We would get on there and we'd like shoot the shit and talk about stuff and people would share photos, they'd clown on each other, they'd share videos, but they'd talk about certain things. Hey guys, I was thinking about becoming an atheist today. Let's all talk about it. And then people would just, and it'd be hundreds of comments from like this small niche community. But then you would go to a show in Des Moines, Iowa, which is like two hours from my house. And I know people there from this message board and that kind of expands. So then you start like, you're, by just by sharing and being active on the internet, you were like building community outside of just your space. But then that made your space stronger because then people hear about what happens in your town. They hear about the garage shows. They hear about the venue shows. They hear about how we have 300, 400 people from the high school pull up and no one has shows like that at the time, you know? So it was just a way to like express creativity, but I wouldn't say I was like, Oh, I'm going to be a videographer. Like that shit didn't happen till later on, like probably in high school and shit. Cause I would just always have the camera. So whenever it came to like recording our bands or being on tour and shit, like we had like a point shoot and we're just like taking pictures and like, I still have those photos of like the first time I saw New York city or the first time. And we were in this little 12 passenger van, you know what I mean? Cruising around the world. That shit's so cool to me, but I wish I would have been rolling in the whole time. Like if I had all that footage right now, it'd be so iconic for me to like watch all that just to see where we were at at that point in time, you know, which is cool about what did you, what did you learn from that though? Cause I feel like some people get, uh, so held up on wanting to be 10 steps ahead as opposed to just starting and being scrappy at the jump. Right. Damn. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I knew I was learning. Like I just knew I was just being me and just excited about things that were coming out. Like if I could take a digital camera and take pictures and then put that shit on my MySpace and then learn that I can make my MySpace backdrop for all you motherfuckers who are too young to know what MySpace is, please use a YouTube or something and learn about it. But 
when you could edit your actual layout of your page, I was like, oh, fuck. And then you're trying to like, I snowboard all the time, snowboarding, paintballing, all these things. These are my, this is my shit. Like I'm known for this and I can travel for this. And I meet all these people because of this. It seems like a crash course in brand building though, which without even I knowing was all it, though, over the place. Time. My brand was fucked. I was like punk and hardcore and emo at one point. Then I'm fucking into hip hop and shit this time. And then all of a sudden but I'm you're finding yourself. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But like through skate, I would say building and learning how to film shit came from skateboarding and snowboarding because when I learned that I could film and someone could land a trick and then I could grab that piece and play it back and I could just put a clip on YouTube or whatever, like in 2000, whenever the fuck that my account got open, I was like, oh shit, this is crazy. Or you could just share these moments and have these cool things and like you watch Jackass and you're, you look up to these people and then you try to make jackass style videos and be like them. And that just forces me to play with the camera, forces me to try to get the shots, forces us to rep- do repetitiveness until we landed it or did whatever the trick was or did the stunt or whatever. So I'd be out snowboarding all the time. I was snowboarding and filming everyone all the time. Would get down, take your shit off, set up, wait. This fucking dude comes through, does it, then stand there and wait. And it's fucking negative 20 degrees, but you don't care. Like you just, it's fun. Like that shit was, was so fun. Was this in high school or college? This is like junior high, high school. Okay. Into college, I snowboarded all the way until uh, I, I got into an accident when I was snowboarding, but that kind of stopped all that shit. But I mean, I would ride, like we, we compete. I want a motherfucking snowboard in the Midwest because I was tight. I think I was only going against like three or four dudes in my in my rank or whatever <laughs> at my age bracket. But anyway, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I just think I was in the moment and didn't really feel like I was, like I wasn't. I didn't ever think it would be a job. You know what I mean? I honestly just thought music. I was just going to be this punk kid that never grew up, which I still am pretty much. So when you went from high school to college, what was your focus and what did you study? Mm. Well, in high school, um, there was actually a class, a film class, like film 101 or some shit. And I remember taking that class and the teacher just had a couple cameras, video cameras. Um, and there were like, you know, the little dad cam things still, but digital and iMovie. And I was like, Oh shit. And actually, let's point this out first, because I talked about this on Twitter a while back. I had my first... Okay, no, this is actually a parallel. This is fine. I got it. Just remind me of Miss Seymour, okay? Miss Seymour. Yeah, shout out to Miss Seymour. So, I'm in in junior high, or high school, and I'm taking... I remember junior high, I got introduced to iMovie. I thought that shit was legendary. High school, iMovie was still a thing, and I remember taking the film class, and I got through it, and it was just some bullshit thing, like how to fucking open up a tripod and... (laughs) You know what I mean? Balance like the camera and film stuff. I don't remember ever having to film stuff. I just remember that was like the only thing I learned. And uh, I got to, I created like a, an, um, what do you call it? Like you take that class again, but it's the experience version. You know what I mean? Like they didn't have, it was actually just an intro to film. And then they made this like as an elective for me to take. I don't know why. And just cause I loved it so much. I was like, I just want to play with cameras. So I take the class, I got a new teacher and I remember she didn't even know how to use the tripods or turn on the camera. So I had to teach the class the first day, like how to do all that shit. And then I remember just not coming to class at all the entire time because she said that we could be filming our pride, like my project, my big project that I did over the entire semester. Um, so I would just go to skate park and I told her I was filming for my film or whatever. And then we'd just shoot skate videos all the time. And then by the time I actually had to turn it into film, uh, I turned it, I made my film in two days at school and it was about doing cocaine in school and I got a D because you can't talk about doing drugs in school. <laughs> so it was dumb. But I just remember taking that and just being like, have, I got to take the camera and I would take it and go film shit and I thought that was so dope. And I honestly think I probably stole the camera from school 
and I had that thing for a while, and um, and I still have the fucking tripod that I took from school. So sorry, CFI, I took a shit. <laughs> uh, my bad. <laughs> and then uh, and then getting into college, um, the transition was cool because I'm going to school and I have no idea what for, but I'm really into my music. Like we're really writing, we're recording. My friend had this recording studio in this barn. He like took this barn. And he used to do barn shows. We would have these punk shows out there, and they were really epic. But then he built a full studio inside of the barn. It was really cool. And the scenery is so dope out there. It's in the middle of nowhere. And so we would go out to this barn, and we would just pay. You know, he was super cheap. Like, he just, he was super cool. And um, we would make music all the time, and we'd be in there. And so I was taking it really serious. Like, honestly, we, we, were, we had toured. We did our tour right out of high school, and it was terrible. But, like, that was my first time seeing New York, all this shit. And we just fucked it up. But then by that time, like, we started touring. I was touring all over the U.S. I saw the U.S., like, a couple times, jumping on different tours. And, uh, and I just remember loving like the idea of my music and knowing my music's what I'm going to do full time. But my friends all were in college because their families wanted them to go to college. And so I was at the community college, like what the fuck am I going to do here? But I was doing it just because the only times that we had breaks to tour were when they were taking breaks on school. So if spring break, Christmas break, whatever, we could go tour on summer break. So I was like, well, I might as well just go to school because we'll just be on the same schedule. We can write and record after school and boom. So we do all that shit. And, uh, and so then I just kind of had the camera and was filming what we were doing sometimes, like just filming stuff. Or if we had shows, I would get the cameras from school and like have my friends come film us and just film our sets. Like anytime I did something, snowboarding, whatever, I wanted my friends to film me just to capture me doing something that I thought I was good at. And so it was always like that with music. But um, I don't think I took it serious until uh, kind of like the end of community college is when I met by, which is when I started my rap shit. Because my punk band stopped my homie Chris moved to go to a different college. So we kind of quit that band and which was devastating for me because it was really cool. It's called long nights. You can find it on SoundCloud. <laughs> I uploaded a bunch of the shit on there. It's actually a fantastic band, but we quit that and I met my homie by and we started talking about rap and shit. And so we kind of got into it there and that's when that music started. But Miss Seymour, Miss Seymour, she's a goat. She was my, I don't know what grade I was in, like fourth grade or something at at St. Pat's at my Catholic school. But she was the first person to make me edit a video, but it was like a slideshow. But it was one of those things where you're just making like the slideshow to music. And I think the we had to like tell a story about something in three minutes and use a song or whatever and edit to the song. And I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. And I'm like, I did mine on 9-11 <clears throat> to like... Uh, this fucking shitty band. I can't even think who it is right now, but it was like some emo ass song. It was like so sad. It's something <laughs> like that. I swear to God. But I remember making it and being like, people were like wanting to cry or I wanted to cry. Or I remember it being emotional because it was like, wow, fuck that was really sad. And like, whatever the song was perfect for the shit. But I remember learning how to like time out my pictures and make them kind of cut to different parts of what he said. And I thought that shit was so fascinating. And she was the first person to get me to do that. And then fast forward to me in college um, <clears throat> I'm with my homie Chris who sang in Long Nights and my old Mended Dogs band and all that shit and we were out doing his his mom's friend was getting married they're like this rich couple in town or whatever and they hired us to drive golf carts to like shuttle people back and forth to their cars or whatever and so we we're picking people up and I see Miss Seymour and so I'm in high school I haven't seen her since like fourth grade whatever she's kept tabs and I'm like oh Miss Seymour how you doing blah blah I'm driving around and then um, she's like 
what are you doing? I was like, oh, I've been like shooting snowboarding videos. At the time, I really wanted to go, I honestly wanted to go to college in Colorado to become a snowboard filmmaker. Like I just wanted to film snowboarding. I didn't give a fuck about anything else. college classes for that? They have, well, I just wanted to go to film school, but in Denver, so I could be by the mm-hmm. mountains and then like maybe I could shoot for Trans World or something. And uh, maybe they have classes for it now. Probably, it'd be fucking easy. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm telling her and she goes, well, guess what? You're probably gonna be jealous because uh, since I'm in the high, she started teaching at the high school, Columbus High School. And she's like, since I'm there, Apple gives me products to test as like an Apple representative as a teacher. And so they would send her shit and she could try it and kind of like give a review. She's like, so I just got final cut. I was like, Oh shit. You got final, like final cut seven. Oh my God. Like I had heard about it. It's fucking $1,200 or something. I'm like, I'll never be able to afford that. That's like filmmaker shit. Like that's what I'm going to need someday. She goes, um, she's like, yeah, it's awesome. Like I get to try it out. And then on the way after the show or after the party, I'm driving her butt back. I think her husband was driving and she's drunk. So I'm driving her. Sorry. I didn't mean to throw you under the bus, but she was, had been drinking some wine. And so she's like, she's like, you really need to try out final cut seven. I was like, I would love to. She's like, how about this? You come by the school and pick it up and I'll let you try it out. And you give me the review on it. Like what you think about it. And I was like, are you, are you serious? She's like, yeah. She was like, you're lucky. I, you got me tonight. Like you never know. And I was like, I'm give me your number. I'm calling you tomorrow. And I called her. I swooped over to the high school the next week, got all the discs. Cause it was like a fucking 15 disc thing. Remember installing that yeah. shit? Oh gosh. Get final cut installed on my computer. Didn't touch it for like eight months. Cause I opened it up. I didn't understand it. And I shut it cause I was terrified. But like that shit was so iconic to me because I had it. And eventually I learned how to use it. And eventually I became obsessed with it. And that's how I started making my videos. So shout out to motherfucking Miss Seymour. Log and capture. <laughs> fucking log and capture everything. <laughs> Wait for the tape deck. Let it run. Exactly. That shit was crazy. Damn. I, that's funny to think about. Um, again, if you're bored of listening to the story by now, please tune into Andrew's episode. It was fucking great. I'm, I'm much better at fucking interviewing no, people you're, than running you're my killing mouth. killing it. This is, this is all dope. <laughs> That's crazy. Though. All right. So Mrs. Seymour, uh, you went to college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did go to college. To I, college. Community, all right. So let's talk about what you did uh, at college and how that set the bar for, um, finishing school and going to LA from there. Um, so and so, like I said, leaving uh, leaving community college, uh, I met my friend Bai, and so we were in class. I know we hated this teacher; she was so shitty. I hated this person; she was a terrible person. And we were talking shit about her in the back, and we kind of became friends because we talked shit about her. And then um, somehow we started talking about music, and we started talking about hip hop and how we liked hip hop and all this shit. And so he was showing me music, and I was showing him music, and and then I was telling him I was like, "Yo, my friend actually has a bunch of beats he just gave me, and I've just been rapping over them for fun, like it's fun, like we should rap rap on them sometimes." And he's like, "Oh yeah, that'd be tight." So he, I remember he made me come to his girlfriend's crib, who he just now had his first kid with, and his it's now his wife. Ashley, but he had me come over there and he's like, bring over the beats. And I, this shit was weird as fuck. Cause we didn't really know each other. And I just go to this house, this dude's house. And I think it was just going to be me and him. And then his girl's just sitting right there. <laughs> and they like sit down like this, like it's an interview or some <laughs> shit. Like, let's hear what you got. And I was like, all right. So I started playing the music and just like playing in beats. And then I remember like I had lyrics written and I was just like rapping these lyrics, which they were trash. by the way, he's an amazing rapper. I've, was, I've heard it myself. Ha- haven't done it in a long time. I think you still got it, but keep going. It, it gets cool but it's like I was spitting the shit I just remember it, it being so fucking weird because Ashley was there I didn't know her I think they had just started dating not too long before that but he's just like the dude that's like I gotta have my girl with me you know what I mean I'm like leave what the fuck dude you gonna make me rap like in front of her like shit so 
whatever. I rapped about it and then I gave him the folder full of beats and then I was like, yo, we should like kind of put some shit together. That'd be kind of tight. And at this time, I was like super into uh, just like I was watching a bunch of artists. I don't know. I was I found some music blogs and just started focusing on, on that shit and it was cool because I was like transitioning out of the punk shit and in the punk shit, I had seen a bunch of hip hop groups play there too and there was some like DIY shit that was happening. I don't know. I just fell in love with it. And me and him started talking and then he is educating me on so much shit in the black culture that I'm like learning all about this stuff and it's just like I'm absorbed into what we were making for music and just kind of like, I don't know. I was always a fan of hip hop and rap, but I also was limited to what I was able to like get. Like I didn't have access to shit and no one was putting me onto anything. You know what I mean? Like there was no resource. None of the kids in my fucking Catholic school knew shit about hip hop. I got to public school and I was just trying to find my identity. I didn't really know what the fuck I was doing. I was like, I I don't have to wear a uniform anymore. I have to try to look like cool. I remember I bought these cool shoes in ninth grade and thought I was fucking going to stun on everybody. Got these K-Swiss, whatever. Made my mom pay like a hundred dollars for these shoes. And I walk in and this one girl walks up to me and she's like, Ben, I didn't know you were a prep. And I was like, what the fuck? And I like looked down at my shoes. I'm like, I'm not a prep. And then the next day I never wore those shoes ever again. I got my skate shoes out, put those shits on. And that's who I, be- I was like, I'm not that fucking guy for sure. Like, what do you mean? I thought they were cool. Like this is what we're supposed to wear. So I, I was trying to find myself in, I think especially like leaving the punk music behind and like was still having it. We played, we, when we became a hip hop group, we formed school, right? So me and him form a group called school. It's me and him. And we met this little kid named Nate. And this is still in college. This is in college. Yes. So we're me and my boy, Nate, Nate's like the only kid that I could find that had like a studio and was like this recording. Honestly, I thought he was like 45 years old. I thought he was like this dad. And we show up to his house and he's at his dad's house. And he's this fucking like 17 or 18 year old kid. He's so young. And he was like, had his DJ table set up and he had his mic and all that shit. And he like, start, yeah, get in there and record. And while he's smoking weed. And I was like, what the fuck? And Nate ended up becoming our DJ. So we like, we were like, yo, it was fun recording with him, but we should get him to be our DJ and our producer. Like, he could record our shit. We could make like a collective. So then we pulled Nate in and then we just started making music. We were making like an EP. And I remember like, we were just talking about doing shows. And there was a girl I knew that she would book shows at the university and I just thought it'd be so cool if we go she was like booking like Mike Posner or something I was like oh my god what if we could open up for Mike Posner we thought we were gonna open up for Mike Posner we got an EP put together all this shit and and then it didn't happen like she ended up telling us like oh I didn't fuck with it or whatever I think we had a falling out over that but we didn't get to do that show and I'm glad we didn't because it would have been fucking terrible because we wouldn't know what the fuck was going on but we just finished this EP and we're so proud of our music and honestly the EP is pretty fire but performing wise that's a whole nother game but could you imagine like these three dudes that just put an EP together getting up in front of like 3,000, 4,000 people that actually broke our gymnasium floor because they were jumping so hard wow. like literally cracked the floor they can't do shows in that place no more but like I remember thinking that we were going to be the ones and we didn't and, but that was like the cl- like very beginning where we're like oh shit we could open up for artists we could be this what if we get were put you still doing tour? video and photography this time so I started doing all of our video photo shit for our group like I, I think at the time I was working um uh what the fuck was I doing I was a valet driver <laughs> I was a valet driver and I also set up for the same place that I did the valet shit I would set up all the events so so, I like, so in college you're driving valet on the side you're going to school. You're in a rap group and you're doing video and photography for your group and other groups or your um, group and other events in Iowa. No, I'm doing the video photography for me, <clears throat> for our group and working as the valet guy, working as a setup guy and just making music. I was doing the video like we need to film this. So let's, I'll film this. You know what I mean? I wasn't doing it like, 
oh, like I want to be a director and I would like, this is a great opportunity for me to work with the group. Like I was just like, we need videos and I'm the only one that has the eye right now and knows how to edit. So I would literally be like, we'd set up a scene like this and I'd have the, my friend come through and I'd give him the camera and I'd be like, all right, cool. And I'd literally like have this shot set up, performing the shot. And then the rest of it, I'd hop over and I'd be filming by, by himself or Nate by himself or whatever. Like I was just so hands on with it. And then I'd flip over and do edits and all the shit. And so I remember doing all that and I just like indirectly was like, editing music video style shit with trash content like we weren't great and we were by ourselves but i remember doing that and then just trying to emulate other artists that we were watching like i remember watching like chitty bang which was a really cool like i thought they were cool like fit our niche like college type rap shit that's who we were with those are the parties we went to this group would banged mac miller at the time was like coming up and i was just like studying the fuck big sean i'm studying the fuck out of these people and i'm watching them in like that era and they fit our pocket and i'm like I, i'm studying bts videos i'm watching you know everything i'm paying attention to the blogs i'm trying to learn how everyone else is doing it. i'm submitting our music to fucking everyone i can think of i remember submitting shit to ill roots it was a podcast or a blog i used to listen to all the time do you know do you know who that is ill roots mm. They would be like that. They were like the. They had this party at South by Southwest called the Ilmore, and it's like the craziest party where all the artists would play at it. I don't know if they do it still, but um, full circle shit. Now Mike Carson, who would run that shit, is dating my homie Raven. So now I know Mike through him, which is funny because he does all Big Sean shit. But I remember sending that fucking dude emails after emails, like, oh man, I just we need one opportunity. People do this to me now all the time, but so it's funny. But it's like, I just want like we believe in our music. We believe we we have this and that. Listen to this new song. Listen, to this, which is so hard to like now thinking about. It, like they probably got thousands of those a day. It was never gonna happen unless you knew these people, um, which is how I learned about like networking and the key of all that shit. But so you're finishing college. And uh, at what point did did the videography and photography supersede the uh, the the band? Mm, I would say that 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 happened later because when we finished college, we were at this point we were like kind of getting our shit together. We're pretty good, okay. We were fucking rapping our asses off, playing every show that we could think of. Dog, I opened for Slick Rick the Ruler, like Slick. And I opened for a fucking from him to J. Cole and Big Crit and Chance the Rapper and fucking Machine Gun Kelly, Waka Faka. Like, we would play the club parties where he, like, they literally had twerk contests and shit. And to, which is funny because we opened for Machine Gun Kelly. And then when you and me ran into him, uh, before you and him became tight, um, you like watch him, you're like, yo, bro, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and I was like, yo, we met before. And he's like, what? And I was like, yeah, I opened for you in Iowa City. And he like remembered that because he got arrested there and was like oh yeah i got arrested there and his manager's like yeah that's the place with the fucking piano in the street i'm like yeah you know you remember <laughs> iowa city all the places you guys been all the times you probably got arrested like damn you remember that shit it was was that was crazy but doing that we were opening up for all these artists trying to get our shit together and like really honing in and um and we also at the time my boy marcus frisky your boy as well marcus uh moved moved around and he ended up going down to um and this is the guy who made the beats originally for school this is the shit i played for buy and rap to buy about and he moved down and he's in florida and he starts working for ea sports so <clears throat> at one point he called us and was like yo and at this point i think we had started this thing called our way monday so every monday me and buy and nate and our squad would like film these videos and songs and we put out a new song and video every monday and i think we did it for like 14 weeks straight or something but i'm shooting editing pretty much everything 
my other Mark, my homie Mark Les, he would do it. I think Dusty Dink did it. Uh, everyone was kind of helping us out that we were friends with at the time, Greg Lilly, all these people. And so it was all my college friend film people. We were like utilizing our space, utilizing our gear at the college. I had bought a 7D. So I started shooting everything on the 7D, figuring out how to shoot in slow motion was lit. And we were just shooting all this content. And so Marcus is like, yo, I have an opportunity. I think I could give your song to my boss and get them to put it on this like trailer video that's going to announce the new Madden game. And we're like, oh, fuck, we're this it. We made it. Like, And um, so we started working on this song. We made this song called Sidelines. And you can find that shit somewhere on YouTube. But we started making Sidelines. And it was a perfect song for this trailer. And he, they loved it. Boom. He's telling me all this shit. It's going to come out on ESPN. It's going to debut on ESPN. We're going to, it's going to get millions of views on YouTube, all this shit. And I'm like, oh my God. Like I've seen, like from studying the game, I've seen this shit happen. Like I've seen this shit happen with like Mac Miller and a song goes viral. And all of a sudden he becomes the guy that travels around and plays to 3000 people, 4,000 people every night and turns into who he is. Rest in peace. And, um, I, we were so stoked and we worked so fucking hard on that song. And then last minute, um, the day it's supposed to come out. We're, we literally were at the bar that night like telling everyone, oh my God, we're going to be at ESPN. Like our lives are different. See yo, we're fucking <laughs> out of here. Like we're getting the house in the hills. Like we're fucking gone. And, uh, and it didn't drop. And we're like, what the fuck? And then Marcus called me and I think he was like nervous or whatever, but he told me like, yo, the reason, it, like the guy who was in charge basically was like, oh, cool. And then randomly he was like, oh, actually let's switch it for this. I like this vibe of a song and put some country loop that they found or whatever on the shit. And it, they put it out and it went on ESPN and did all this shit. And our song wasn't there and we were devastated. I remember being so fucking shook on that shit. Like, <clears throat> bye and all them everyone was bummed about it and it was hard to get back into the swing after that because you feel so defeated and we had local shows and we were we were selling out our hometown shows and like you know 500 600 people we were making a few thousand dollars like that we did one show after doing the ry monday thing and we booked our own show and we put it on and we made this shit like dude i'm talking about like i was so obsessed with the idea of the show and the experience and making sure it's not just people come, we grab the mics, rap shit and go. It was like, we're going to have an entrance. We're going to have an intro song. We fucking bought LED sticks and shit and balloons and stuff. And we went into the venue the day before and we're hanging them individually. And like, it was a whole event. And like that shit was so big that we had a line outside the door and it was sold out by 8 PM and no one could get in. And it was so crazy. Like we're stage diving. It was nuts. And those were the shits that we were doing. So we were doing that and we got some money. And then when Marcus hit me up again later on, like, hey, I got another opportunity for you at EA. Like, send me another song by tomorrow. And we had like two more shows that I think we were trying to get ready for. And everyone was kind of like torn. Like, should we stop preparing for these shows and focus on this thing that probably won't happen because look what happened last time. And that just kind of messed everything up because I knew it was this massive opportunity, but without the squad, like I couldn't turn it around. And it was either going to be us or some other guy and the other guy got it. So it's not like Marcus wasn't telling the truth or nothing. It's just that he wasn't in the position to be able to say, this is happening for sure. So he would just say like, oh, it could either be these people or these people. Submit and I can give it to the guy and hopefully the guy picks you and then you can have your song on this video which will get a bunch of views and people will find out about you. So we didn't do it and it was a fuck up because I watched it come out and I was like, fuck, that could have been it. Like that could have been the one. And then when he hit, hit us up again the next time, I remember going to the studio and everyone at this point is kind of scattered. Like, bye, I know his, his dad passed away in Africa and he had to like take his he's dealing with his family and all this shit and he has his job and everything so he's dealing with that and Nate's going through it and I'm I'm like trying to figure out my shit and so I remember they called us for the EA thing I tried to get everyone together and no one really showed up yet and then we went and then um, I was with my boy Chuck and Mark and we started putting the songs together and we got one out and this was kind of when I put my first song out it was like by myself 
so we had a couple EA songs come out at schooled and then by myself and I had it out there and I just was like well we need to start kind of separating ourselves in case situations happen like oh cool we could do something it's the better of the group like because if I get put on it doesn't matter because I'm you're my boy so I'm gonna put you on if anything happens like if I get a song that goes viral or some shit then cool people will respect what I'm doing and then when I bring you they're just gonna respect you because you're with me so that was my mentality so we kind of invented our identities because at the time me and Bai would just rap as Ben and Bai but then I created Obi and I created Ben Real. And so then I'm Ben Real. And then I'm Ben Real versus World when I started doing my solo shit because I'm like, man, it's tough to get people to do shit. I've had all these bands. I've done all these things with different people and shit just don't work. Like, you know, life is fucking hard and everyone's got reality to take care of. And I was just so set on not letting anything get in the way of that. And I would do whatever it took to make it happen. So I just feel like at the time it was always just me versus the world. It was always me versus everyone else and I'm trying to figure out how to make it happen even with support of your homies or whatever like everyone's always going to have some other shit especially now like we see it all the time people won't do anything for unless there's a bag with it or this and that like you you always run into shit so I was I don't know I just kind of started chasing that and I think that's when I transitioned to uh I think around that time that's when you hit me up because I had gone out to LA before but I didn't meet you then I went out to LA um with my friend Chuck and this is around the sidelines time so I'm in LA and I got to see everything for the first time like I've been to LA with our punk bands but it was like we were literally sleeping at fucking Santa Monica Pier like by the beach Didn't, you know what I mean no hotel and shit and so it wasn't seeing LA but when I came out to LA for the first time I was with my boy Chuck and I'm at, I meet Craig who I then end up living with later on but I met Craig and I'm at this house and this house is so cool and they got all these opportunities there and it's like seemed really dope we're making music I met uh um I met like uh, DJ Mustard, some of his people and shit. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. And we went to Travis Barker's um, personal studio with some girl who knew the dude that does all his content. She's like, you want to come with us? So we're like, yeah, cool. So we pulled up on his studio. I remember being in his studio and seeing like pictures of him and his family in the bathroom and shit and being like, this is crazy as fuck. Like it's that tangible. Like it was that easy for me to walk away from that situation and be like, I'm on to something. Like I was just there and got into a situation where I'm in the dude that fucking played in all the bands that we loved. I'm in his fucking personal drumming place. Like I played on his fucking drums. Like he follows me on Instagram now, which is funny as fuck. So I hope he is listening to this podcast because <laughs> I played on your shit and I FaceTime my boy who's obsessed with you and I showed him your drumstick. I wish I would have stole the drumstick at the time because that shit was just so crazy to me. And I left and that's when I like really kicked shit into gear, making music, making our content. So you, went, you went back home. I went back home. This is before I link with you. Yeah. So I go home and I think- But um, you got that taste of LA- Got a taste, or early taste of LA. It wasn't even like the full thing. It was just like a, a good little lick. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was like, it was a good little ice cream cone. So I get back home and I'm telling everyone, I'm in fucking Travis Barker's studio. This is crazy. At this point, I'm famous because of shit. <laughs> like my time, I'm like, I was in his studio. I'm showing pic- shitty cell phone videos. And I'm telling the boys like, yo, this is, it was there. Like I've seen it. Like I was in studios, like all these people are here. Like it's so easy to connect. Like everything's right there. We're like by the beach and shit. This is so cool. And, um, I don't know what it was. Like, I think at the time everything was kind of falling apart. And I, uh, I remember I started doing my solo shit. I got kind of got coined, like, pushed into doing the solo shit because our group hadn't been doing anything and I started working on my solo music so I'm like writing with Chuck and Mark and um, buying them they're all busy as fuck and we're doing some school shit every once in a while but not really and I remember our friends in this group called Time Flies Cal and Rez would hit us up they they would uh, we would open for them and these dudes I didn't know them the first time we opened for them but they had us put we got to play three of their shows in the Midwest 
and they were the best shows of our life. It changed the way I did everything musically because um, I saw them perform and how they handled the crowd and how they did it. And we just studied real quick and we were at, we tried to be just like them. But we played like 800 people one night, sold out. 700 people this night, sold out. Like 650 in this tiny ass 500 person room, sold out. Girls were fucking, 95% of their fans are girls. So it was just loud as fuck there, loving it. They didn't know who we were. They thought we were on tour too. They thought we were from fucking LA or some shit. They had no idea we're from 40 minutes away. And they're piling on stage, they're going nuts. I'm stage diving, fucking, it was crazy. Like I've never experienced anything like that. So anytime they came through, I would like, fingers crossed that we got to do it again. And they became good friends of ours. Um, and so Cal, I remember hit us up and, uh, he hit up the college. So they, they played at my university and they're going to play there. And I remember hitting up my friend who, um, was working it. And I was like, yo, I want to, like, I want to play this show for sure. Like, please let us play. And he's like, oh, we can't book you because we just had you play open for this dude, Hoodie Allen. And I was like, fuck, damn. They're like, we got to give someone else a chance that's local. And I was like, I hear you. All right, cool. Fuck it. And then he hits me back like, Hey, actually, their management hit us up and told us that they want you guys, they want school on this shit. So you guys got to play. And we're like, oh, fuck. And they're like, we're going to pay $250. And we're like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we actually get paid this time or whatever. And uh, so we get to open for them. But the problem is, is that school wasn't really doing anything. And I had this whole mindset of like releasing my project and becoming a solo artist that could run parallel with whatever school did. And Bio was going to put together his own project. So we're kind of in that lane right there. And I didn't really want, like I really... To me, Time Flies was my way out, right? Like these dudes were cool and they toured a lot and they did full cities. And I really thought of it as like a way to um, maybe get to open for them, maybe get to be on a song or do something. You know what I mean? Like they were my first famous friends. They were actually famous. They would play in front of thousands of people and they go nuts. And so I didn't want them to see schooled haven't it hadn't developed really since the last time they saw us because we had just been on hiatus and shit and i've been doing these ea songs and trying to do all stuff so i kind of had a little thing so i wanted them to know like the, like hey the truth is like we've been whatever and i want to let me open for you they actually didn't i didn't tell them this stuff but i'm trying this is what i'm thinking of so i sit the guys down I'm like yo i really think like i gotta do this by myself like i need to hit the show like we haven't done shit in a while like whatever and everyone was supportive as fuck so um, me and Chuck, my homie Chuck, we started putting everything together. This dude is a fucking beast producer and he lives in Iowa. He needs to not live in Iowa. I'm going to put him on at some point whenever the, the day is right. But he played keyboard and would DJ, quote unquote. And uh, and then I rapped. And it, so it was my first time doing a solo show and we had to open for like, a, it was like 11, 1200 people or something in my hometown, in my fucking hometown college. So everything we got right for it and we played the show and I was nervous as fuck and I killed it. And I even had like Bi came out and like performed. Is this like, before you went to South by Southwest? Ye, this is um, this is right before I came to you, which I think this was all kind of around the same time. I think I went to South by Southwest also before that. And that was kind of, no, no, no. This is after, I think. So I go, damn, I don't know. Fuck, when I go there? Basically, the end of this so this basically ends with me playing that show i get all my nerves out and i play that show and i had fun and then we turn around and play with them like three weeks later at the other university down like two hours away from me isu and i play that show and that was the best show of my entire life it was like two or three thousand people 
I had I was not scared anymore. I'm fucking running around, not nervous in front of the show. I'm out. I was actually like running. I have footage of this. I was running around like interviewing people. Like, hey, do you guys are you guys here for Time Flies? A bit. Yeah. I'm like, or, do you guys know that opener guy? Like Ben Real? Like, no. Who's that? I'm like, I honestly don't fucking know. I'm sure the dude's trash. I was asking everyone, talking shit about me, running around doing all this stuff, and then I came up and played. And I like just in my head, I'm just thinking, man, that'd be so cool for me if the dude that's opening for the my favorite artist was just talking to me, fucking with me, and then now they're on stage and. I I would meet these people after the show. Like, we met you before. Oh my fucking God. You I was running around. I was standing on the barrier. I fucking stage dove. I had the whole crowd lit. I had, at one point I had them all put their uh, cell phones up. It's my Facebook banner picture. I had everyone putting their um, cell phone lights up and they're going back and forth and uh, doing that shit for my mom, for her cancer. I had a whole song for her. Like, and, and I also had to put this shit together in like 10 days for for the first time fly show. I basically said yes. And then had to fake like I had been an artist and had an entire live show in 10 days and my mom got her cancer in that whole period it was fucking the craziest most stressful night week of my life and so me and chuck were pulling songs together i'm at his house every day i'm buying in-ears for the first time i'm trying to like make it professional and um we're writing i would literally take like a verse that i had from a school song and then i merged it with like another verse like probably didn't even make sense but it just flowed and i was like i just need songs at this point <laughs> and did all this shit and like created an experience like a 25 minute experience i had drums and shit i was playing the drums i had a dude come up and dance and stuff it was crazy and uh but then the second show i played and i killed it and i remember in between those two shows i came out to la so you flew me out to la so all while this was happening one of my best friends whitney was dating Andrew at the time. Shout out to Whitney for that. And uh, they're no longer dating, if anyone's <laughs> wondering. Uh, we talk about this in your podcast, but um, they were dating and she told me like, you know, whatever. She talked to dudes and stuff and be like, oh, this guy, this guy, whatever. This guy's a filmmaker. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay. And she's like, sent me a link to your site. And I get on there. I see like a Chris Brown video and like a documentary the ryan blair documentary and stuff and it's like real cinema real filmmaking type shit someone that was at the at that point now i'm understanding what it is i'm like oh wow he understands video like he can really make videos like this is crazy i'm watching through all your shit i'm like this is like you're talking you're talking to a legitimate filmmaker you're not talking about some dickhead like this dude's tight and then you know every once in a while she'd be facetiming so she'd introduce me to you and then you're just always in the room and i call you know she's like one of my best friends so i'm talking to her all the time so we we start talking and then you had me come out to surprise her for her birthday and in exchange, you had me work for you on set. I'd never been on set before. I think, was that the Chris Brown don't kill the fun video? Yeah. But before that we did the day before was, uh, uh, that karate video for, Oh, that's right. For DJ rehab, DJ rehab. Cool. Yeah. So you come out here, you, you fly to, you fly to LA, you bring your camera. Yeah. I bring you to set mm -hmm. and you start doing BTS photography and video. Yeah. Even before that, you took me to the a Hills, like a house in the Hills party. Like I think the first night we were here, you meet Veronica. We like pulled up to some house in the Hills party and there's a motherfucking chick that was on Degrassi or something. And she like let us in and got us alcohol and there's Kanye might be there. Whoever, like it was like some shit like that. And it was like the experience of me being like, Oh fuck. Like I was really here before, but now I'm really, really here now. Like this is insane to me to like um see this shit like fuck i'm in the hills like i can see the city and then you take me a set f f like i didn't know what to expect or whatever and you directed the rehab video and did you direct the don't kill the fun video uh produced that for chris you, you did so so whatever we go to set for the rehab thing is basically andrew's concept is how andrew i think this is how andrew like thinks every day like <laughs> the treatment for this video is what happens only when i work brain. out only at the gym yeah when he's at the gym all he sees is hot instagram model girls like 
pretty much like fucking each clickbait. other in the clickbait <laughs> clickbait yeah it was clickbait that video got like 200 million yeah, views or something, something crazy so you come so you're on set for <laughs> the like, first let's time not talk about that. <laughs> well i want to know what it's like from your your from your side of it being on set for the first time going from shooting videos uh with your boys back in iowa now you're on set and you're seeing uh, a, a full crew and production trucks and real gear and you i think i remember you seeing like the red camera for the first time you took a picture of it and you're like holy shit it's yeah. a red camera damn. can i touch it damn like, yeah you I were did. like so like wide-eyed about that and i think it's important people know like yeah. what that was like and just being on set also as a as your first time experience like how do you carry yourself how did you carry yourself um so you yeah, I f- damn, I forgot about that because I I knew that there was like one dude maybe in the Midwest that owned a red because no one no one could ever afford a red like no one could get a job that would pay for a red like no one had reds. I remember seeing that and just being so blown away. And yeah, the crew being there, it was so massive. It was like a huge building. You shot Ariana Grande video in the same building. Um, I think a bunch of videos have probably been shot there, but it was like this cool spot. They had a crew. They had walkie-talkies and shit. I'm like, what the fuck? They had <laughs> a haze machine. Yeah, all this. I made it. Walkie-talkies. I did make it, no, dude, I feel you. Because we didn't have that shit. We were in a car filming and, and yeah. like call someone on the phone and be like, come fucking drive the car now. I'm ready. You know what I mean? Like that shit was crazy. And then you see Instagram model girls that I've seen on Instagram like before like oh fuck that's that girl's like a famous girl like that girl's famous or whatever for her fake ass and fake like you know what i mean like oh shit and this is real and then like you have a karate guy there and he's like a trained martial artist and he's dope i think i still follow him on instagram and he like comes in and just whooping ass and you made a fake gym like you took a room and turned it into a gym with props and all this shit and it was in, it was insane to watch it and it was cool because you were directing and you were like yo you could do like just chill like i was sitting in the director's chair like behind a monitor like oh this is dope like fuck like I'm just following you around. Everyone thinks I'm cool because I'm with you. It's your set. Like, this is sick. And then I met uh, Ryan Postis, who's our homie. He was shooting BTS at that time and doing a DIT, I think. And so he was shooting BTS, so I became friends with him. And he's like, yeah, I'm just a photographer, video guy, dude. I just direct, like, make my own videos and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, that's cool. So then fast forward, I have to leave to go back to Iowa. And you booked the Chris Brown shoot and you're like, Oh, you might be here for when I get to do this. And then it was supposed to happen like the day before I left and it got pushed to like the day after I left. And I was like, so stressed out. Cause I'm broke as fuck. I have no money back at all. And, um, I was like, I got to push this shoot. Like I got, or I pushed my flight. And so I pushed the flight and I just said, fuck it. And I stayed and you were like, you could come like be a, just a fly on the wall. Just see how it is. It's a way different. Like, and I pushed the flight and you brought me to set and you're like, just chill on the wall. It's a Chris Brown video. Like you never know what's going to happen on these sets. Just stay out of the way. And I, and I would like try to help. Like, I remember going up to like the grip trucks and like the lighting guys would get there and I'd be like, Hey, you guys want some help? They're like, Oh sure. Cool. And like, I'd take like a light and I have no idea where to take it. And I just ended up being in the way. And I was so awkward. Like I just went to fucking crafty and ate like five breakfast burritos just stand there trying to like pass time like where's andrew at like i want him to come back like i don't like being here by myself just i felt like i was in the way and i hated it but it was cool because and then i see chris come and seven streeters there it's her song on there too so she comes i'm like wow i think I, we you you see seven come in you gave her a hug and she gave me a hug i'm like oh my god this guy hug from this famous person that's dope and uh and then I saw Postis again, the BTS dude from the day before. And I was like, yo, are you doing that again? He's like, nah, I got wait. I got like three reds. I got to manage all the media. And Postis was the DIT that day. Yeah, DIT. So, so he's in charge of the footage. He's yeah. responsible for getting the footage from the camera to, to the, the, hard, the drive. hard drive. Yeah, so it's very important to make sure you get all the media and you're doing it quickly so that they can get the cards back and film more. So he's like, I can't do it. Um, I'm not going to be able to do it today. And I was like, oh, shit. So do you have your camera shit here? He's like, yeah, I do. And then I was like, Andrew, could I just use his camera and do BTS and you're like oh yeah and I think you asked someone else and they approved it 
I was, so I went from being a fly on the wall. I loved telling the story to people when I got back because I'm like, this is so crazy. Like literally I was on the wall. I stayed on the wall of this big warehouse and just sat there. Oh, it was cool too because, um, this dude came in and painted the walls, uh, that I've been James. Um, fuck. What's his last name? It sucks. I can't think of this. James hunt. I think blunt James hunt something he's an insane artist like this dude i've been following his shit for months and i look over and he's just fucking doing a mural on the wall and i'm like oh shit that's the guy and i i'm bts now so i just walk up and i'm filming him i'm like this is so cool like i'm filming this dude that i've been watching online for so long and then chris gets there and he walks in it's like a fucking entourage and all the shit that you imagine to come with chris brown and i'm like fuck and i'm like filming shit and cal scrooby's there and he's walking in and i'm like oh that's the guy that rivening signed because i'd done my research i'm like damn he's a musician he said what if i could sign to rivening or like what if they saw my music and elevate like he can do us he can be around chris brown right now that's crazy like the opportunities are endless and uh it just blew my blew my mind and I just shot the fuck out of everything and just kept shooting and uh and it was like crazy to go from literally being on the wall to being able to be right there with Chris and film him and ask him to say something to camera he's like yo we on set blah 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 and just to see how they they spent hours making that one shot with the fucking the blue and the fans remember like they just kept moving shit around I'm just watching them spend hours on one fucking take and it's like crazy to watch that shit and you see Joe Lubisi sitting there doing some camera tricks and shit I'm just like this is fucking iconic as fuck and I'm in here and I'm from Iowa and that doesn't make any fucking sense and I turned around and flew back to Iowa the next day my mind rocked and then you cut the video and you hit me like a week later like man the footage is great like you killed this shit bro like blah 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 um and it went out on like MTV and I was like holy fuck my shit's on it like this is crazy and that shit that blew my mind but it was when you asked me to come back for an Ariana Grande video that you directed you're like, yo, I'm directing this video. You should come do BTS. And I just like couldn't afford it to like fly. And I was already already traveling with my homie Travis. Um, and I couldn't get back. And I was like, do I go? Do I not go? I don't have any money. And that's when I like changed my mindset to like, all right, cool. I got to get a budget together so I can move to LA. I need to go. And at this time, you're right. I did South by Southwest. And so you were like my my introduction to the entertainment world but at south by southwest i went there and i shot my homie craig flew me out there he had like a blog in a house the thing that i stayed at when i first went to california he had like this creative house that he put together man my, this story is long as fuck i'm sorry um uh support us on patreon if you're listening to this right now okay cool every every dollar counts um so i i go out to craig's and I meet Craig for the first time. I'm back in Iowa. He's seen me do the music shit. He knows I'm sick with the camera. So he's like, yo, fly down South by Southwest. I come there. Sorry, I'm backtracking, but you need to know the story. Go to South by Southwest. And he just wanted me to be there to get content and to help me network with my music and just creative. He just wanted me to be around people. And I don't like he like he was friends with King Chip at the time. I was like going to film with King Chip. I went and shot his show. Um there was other dude named Kembe X who he, he was living at Craig's house. And, um, I didn't know him, but I heard he was affiliated with TDE, which is top dog entertainment, which is Kendrick Lamar's label school. IQ, is all those people, J rock and them. And apparently he was like affiliated with them. And I was like, Oh shit. And, and so Musa, who's his manager, who's like co-managing him with Craig calls Craig and like, Hey, is your boy there with the camera? Have him go to the showcase and film Kembe. And so we, we lift, left whatever we were doing. Craig's like, we got to do this right now. I was like, okay. So we hop in the Uber or whatever, go. I don't know if they had Uber then. We go to um, this spot and it's like this big, it's probably the biggest showcase because uh, it was um, Peter Rosenberg's showcase 
Hot 97. I don't know if you listen, if you know who he is, but to me, I've been listening to him do interviews forever, forever yeah, with Ebro and all them. <clears throat> it's his showcase. So he's had, he has every artist come out and play for 10 minutes. So he had like a hundred artists, but it's like all the biggest artists and shit. And Kembe got a slot. And I remember I, I met Kembe and Kembe like sees me and I'm like, Hey man, like, let me know if I'm in the way. And he's like, all right, cool. I always say that to artists. Like when I introduce, I said that same shit to Beyonce. Like, Hey man, let me know if I'm in the way. I'm just going to do my thing or whatever. He's like, all right, cool. And he just kind of didn't fuck with me. And we were at the top and we were like kind of looking out over the stage and he was watching some artists that he was into and he was like shaking his hair and he had dreads and shit. And I filmed something that was in slow motion. It was cool. And I just like went over to him. I was like, yo, check this out. And I played it back for him. And he's like, yo, I don't even, whatever you want to do, tell me, like, do what you got to do, bro. That shit is sick. Like, I trust you. Do anything you want to do. Do it. And I was like, okay. And then they told me I couldn't go on stage with my camera. No camera guys were allowed. And so when he was announcing Kembe, he's like, Kembe X. And Kembe ran up and I just ran with Kembe. And so I run up on stage and I just get up there behind the DJ thing and plant myself and start shooting. And then Kembe's going. So I'm walking around Kembe shooting. I get down the pit. I'm shooting Kembe from there. I'm like shooting him everywhere I can. We get home. I fucking cut like a 15 second teaser because that's all you could do for video at the time. I sent it to Craig who sent it to Musa. And then the next day, Craig's like, let's go back, go, go be with Kembe. So I went to some other sh showcase. He played like a small little Mexican spot or whatever. And like, it was just like this tiny show. Did the same thing. Uh, little Debbie was there, some rapper girl. Like I shot everyone. But I was sitting at home trying to edit. And I remember Craig came back and he was with all the boys and was like, yo, Musa called me. And he said, yeah, your boy Ben, he's, um, he's got quick turnarounds he's ill with the camera like i fuck with him or whatever i want to bring him out on the td world tour and i literally they told me this shit and everyone like knew but me because they were all at dinner and i was at home editing and they're like ah oh! we're like ah oh! i'm like i fucking won the lot like td you're talking about kendrick lamar you're talking about i'm gonna go on tour with him school iq j-rock fucking absol i'm like holy fuck i live in iowa like th that just happened from doing one video for campaign like holy shit and he's like yeah he fucks with you like he wants to take you out and then my life changed like that so i go home i'm thinking i'm about to go on tour i started i was working as a google photographer at the time so basically I would go for people who don't know what street view is. If you get on Google maps and you can hop in the street, you know, how you can do like 360 view. I would do it where I would go into a business and, um, shoot a 360 view inside of a business and I would sell it. I was like the third party, but I'm the freelancer that was, uh, certified by Google and I could sell to brands or businesses or whatever. So I'd make money doing that shit. And in my mind, after, South by Southwest, I knew I thought I was going on tour like that week. So I get home. My friend had a free trip to Cancun and we're about to go and I had to cancel on him because I'm like, I can't go to Cancun because what if I have to leave for the tour next week? No one, nothing's been announced. I don't know anything. Don't hear anything back. I missed this trip to Cancun. I'm real bummed about it. Then weeks go by, nothing happens. I'm calling, I call Musa. Hey man, Musa's fucking, shout out to Musa. You fucking cannot understand what you're saying on the phone. He's like, bah, 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 bah. I don't I can barely hear him. I pulled the car over when I got him on the phone. I'm like, what'd you say? What'd you say? I'm like trying to talk to him. He's like, yeah, man, we're going to hit you up soon. Like blah, blah, blah. And that was it. And I'll be like, so what the fuck? Like, when am I going on this world tour? Like, this is crazy. Like I've already like prepared for this shit. And I didn't, it ended up in my mind. I'm like, this isn't happening. And I got nervous. Cause I'm like, Musa knows I'm tight and he's in LA and Craig's in LA. I'm like, I gotta get to LA. And then I go out and I meet you and I have that experience and I come back and I'm like, Oh my God. Like I was just on set with all these people. Musa's there. Andrew's there. Like all these people that I could work with, like I could collaborate with, I could create with. 
I'm at the time I'm starting to get way more into the video side of shit. I'm flying my drones. I'm doing the Google photography. So I'm learning how business works. Um, and I think that being around, I remember when you were shooting that BTS for Chris Brown and you weren't sure how close to get to him. I remember, we pull, I remember pulling you over to interview him for the BTS. But I think between that experience and South by Southwest is practice for everything that you do now because because when you're shooting these artists, there's a certain dance to it, right? A lot of right. people can shoot, but what you were learning early on without even knowing it is like learning that dance between the artist and the mm. shooter, when to get close, when to stay back, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you so, have to know when it's I think it's people think things happen, people think things happen overnight and right. it's not the case. It's no. like you're learning this as you're going and you're yeah. using these people as practice. Definitely. And, that, and, and how to talk to and communicate to them, right? Because at the time, what was cool to me, what I realized by being there and I remember being there like Chip the Ripper I don't know if you ever listened to him but like he had ill mixtapes and shit and I remember like filming him and being like man I'm at South by Southwest with Chip like he has his, his shoes huge and he had these fucking like $40,000 shoes that were LED lit or some dumb shit I remember like putting my $30 shoes next to his and like snap like not Snapchat whatever it was at the time just taking pictures and being like man I'm around a cool like artist but I could communicate to him from a st standpoint of an artist but with the camera in my hand he was cool with it because it was easier for us to connect. So he felt more comfortable around me. And I could just, if I needed to shoot, I could shoot. If I, I could talk to all the artists that were coming in, rappers, musicians, because I was a musician. So I understood how to speak to them. When you put me in the room and say like, okay, boom, I'm thinking like, if I was Chris right now, what would I want? Oh, I want to get ill fucking shots of this painting and ill shots of that camera guy. I want to show the magnitude of how much money I spend and all this stuff. I want to capture all this. So I'm thinking, all right, cool. What if I do this? What if I do this? So when I got home, I knew I was like, I gotta change everything. I gotta go to LA. I've been saying to everyone, we gotta go to LA forever and no one would do it. And I was, I, that was my mistake as I waited for people. So if you want one thing to take away from this, just fucking go do it by yourself. Don't trust or wait, don't, don't not trust people, but don't wait on other people's agendas. Like that shit does not matter. Like it's, all about you and what you do. If I would have waited on people's agendas, I'd still be in Iowa. And I knew I needed to go. So the Google thing fell into my lap. Uh, a friend that runs a bunch of businesses out there told me about it. And I didn't really understand it, but he's like, I'll pay you. I'll be your first client if you do it, if you get certified. And so I got certified randomly. I lied. I, I said I was a photographer at the time. I worked at the music venue and shit. And I said I wasn't a photographer when people would ask me to take like, so, oh, you're a photographer at the business? No, I shoot videos. I bought this camera. It's an HD video camera. Like, I don't shoot photos, but I would be shooting photos at the shows because that was my job and eventually kind of figured out how to shoot photos. But he told me, like, I'll, I'll hire you if you can do this 360 thing. So I was like, oh, shit, okay. And then I was talking to him, like, hey, is there money if I bought this gimbal? If I did this? Like, I started learning about all the tech and I was like... So you're investing in yourself. Yeah, I started investing in myself. And um, so I paid, like, $1,500 to buy all the right gear to be able to shoot these 360 photos. I get all the shit. I get certified. I do all the stuff. I open up an LLC. I get insurance, all the stuff. I'm like, oh my God. I launch it. I post it out to the world. Yo, I'm fucking certified. I'm waiting for the business to roll in. Nothing happens. I'm like, oh my fucking God, dude. I just blew most of my money. What the fuck was I thinking? And then I realized, oh shit, you have to, now I'm, I have to be a salesman. I can't just be like, it's not just going to fucking pour in money. Like I have to go do this. So I had to start learning how to communicate to people and how to sell, which was weird as fuck for me. Um, and my, uh, what's the word? Like when you feel like, uh, when people look down on you for shit, <laughs> like I felt I'm out here trying to be a rapper. 
I'm in my hometown promoting all my shows, promoting all my songs, shooting videos, doing everything. When I see people, it's all hip hop shit. But then I had to switch gears 100% and go down and try to talk to these small business owners that own boutique shops and shit. And I just played it right next door to your place last night and sold that shit out. But now I'm in here trying to sell you on a Google tour. You know what I mean? And play with my fuck with my self-esteem and I'm like trying to figure out how to do it. And I wasn't good at selling. I hate selling shit to people. I feel like if I could give everything for free, I would. That's like my ultimate goal is to give everything up and like do shit for people. I would shoot shit for people all the time and like not ask for money. And so I had to like figure out how to do the business side of it. And when I figured it out, checks started pouring in. Like I started stacking bread and I was like, oh my fucking God. Like it was insane to see me. I made money for the first time in my life and I wasn't even trying to do it. I was trying to do it to like, so I could leave. Because your plan was to save up money to move to LA. To go, yeah. I so did you have a did you have a certain number like dollar in mind? That, yeah. Like when you hit this number, yep. you're you're gone. Yep. What was that? It was ten grand. I was like, if I can get ten grand, I could go out to LA for at least three months and blow, you know, whatever that is, like thirty three hundred dollars a month. I didn't know how much rent was. I, I didn't know anything about the economy. I just heard LA is expensive. Is everything's expensive? So I was like, all right, cool. Between flights and getting out there, I want to have ten grand to lose. Basically, like that was my gambling money. And even before that, I wanted to buy a 5D Mark III. I wanted to get a 14 millimeter lens. I wanted a Ronin and a drone. Like, so those are other things that are on my hit list. And I remember right when I got back from California, I wrote that shit on my fucking, my, my board or not my vision board, but like my dry race board. And I remember even telling you like, dude, look at, I flew this drone, check out this shot. And you're like, man, that's cool. Like you were like telling me it was dope. And I even remember you telling me like, you should check out my friend's drone videos. You sent me Taylor Cut Films and I was like, dude, I've been following him forever because he used to shoot for Time Flies. I know this guy. Like, that's crazy. And I just remember being so inspired. And my goal, I had read it in a book, was to give without any expectation of anything in return, right? So even though I'm little and in Iowa, I tried to think of all the resources I had so I could try to make your life better. I'd be like, hey, Andrew, what? Uh, my this other dude I know, Patrick Lawler, he shoots red shit. Like, maybe I could connect you with him. And you're like, oh, actually, I know him from some other thing. Or, hey, this dude does this, and he's like a VFX artist. I would just try to... P- put everything out there just to help your cause and hope that something comes from it. And then hopefully through that, you just could see I'm a good person. I'm just trying to make connections yeah. and collaborate. And you kept doing BTS at, at this point. Yeah. Right. You were assistant editing with me on the Chris Brown documentary or started to assistant edit with mm-hmm. me. And at that time there wasn't anything in the budget to give you for BTS or give you for assistant editors. Cause sometimes that's the reality. It's like your budget is spent on other things and it's almost like an afterthought sometimes. Well, you for, didn't plan on me being things. there. Yeah. Like but, a- but you know, that provided me value was your way to get your foot in the door, which was smart. Mm-hmm. So, so leaving Iowa, I did it. Like I fucking, dude, I made probably 30 grand in like six months. I remember thinking that to myself, like, oh my God, like sometimes that's like, that's like a salary for a lot of people. And I made it in six months and that was learning. Like that was probably finally making the real money towards the end of it. Right. So much so that when I left, I was like, and I got to LA and I'm doing all this shit and I'm doing a lot of stuff for free. I'm sitting there like, damn, I could have done four tours today. Easy. I'm confident in that. And I could have made like a shit ton of money just in one day. And why it took me three weeks to make this much money when I got to LA, but I, something about it. I'm like, I know I got to do this. Like I got to give that up to be able to get what I been thinking about. Like I can't get lost in the idea of the money part of it. Like that didn't matter to me anymore, but whatever I saved up 30 grand or I made 30 grand and spent a bunch of it buying shit and building things and trying to do in advance where brand. did you live when you first came to la craig's house um i moved out there i brought my shit brought the drone all the stuff and i lived at craig's house on the floor in one of his rooms with my boy johnny and yasin and 
Yassine's from Paris, and he's an ill producer, and Johnny's a fucking visionary. And so we all had this one room, they, one dude on the couch, one dude on an air mattress, another dude on an air mattress, and I lived on the air mattress for like fucking 15 months. People coming in and out, no doors really, had like sheets on there, but it's at Craig's house, and Craig like put me up and set me up for fucking this. And uh, so when I got there, I was just like, okay, cool. Like, I'm in LA, like this is it. And I remember trying to finish a video for a client I had in Iowa, like a micro doc about this like pilot or whatever. So I'm like editing the video. It's so hot. And I'm in LA in the Valley. And I'm like, this is so crazy. I'm out here. His house is, his house is so sick. I like hop in the pool and shit. And I just noticed that everyone around in this house that was like floaters that were in the house were like fucking not doing anything. Like they were just smoking weed and kicking it and watching TV and living that life. Like someone supporting them. Craig's house is supporting these people. And I was so turned off by it, like, fuck, this is what these people do every day? Like, what the fuck? Like, where's the, like, we got to be moving. Like, we got to be creating. Like, this house is a creator house. Like, we gotta You also figure. had a time limit to being yeah, able three to, months. to survive yeah. out here. And you were gone. So, so in this first, like, two weeks or whatever, I think you were in, like, some other city, some shit. I don't remember where you were at in Amsterdam or something and I'm like working I get the video done then I'm like sitting there I'm kind of depressed like oh my god I made the wrong move like I'm not like people are coming in but it's not for me and I my, my main goal when I moved there was to work and do whatever I could with you and also remind Musa that I'm still sick that I'm still dope and that to keep keep myself on my radar if I stay in Iowa maybe Musa will forget me and meet someone else in LA because he lives in LA and might meet someone else and I might not be that guy so that was what I was trying to do. And when I, I see Musa, he said, what's up and shit, but he's still working on some of his own business stuff. Like I knew it wasn't going to happen. And you got back and you hit me like, yo, yo, I'm in town. Let's go meet up for a drink or something. And I went and Taylor Cut Films was there, Jordan. Mm-hmm. And we all got a drink together. And I was like, yo, this is crazy because I know Cal and Rez and shit. Like those are my boys. Like I've been watching you. I remember he did like a time-lapse video in New York for one of their videos. And I was like so blown away by the time-lapse video. I was like, oh shit. And now he's done all, all the things he's accomplished since then. And you guys have worked together on a bunch of stuff. But when, when that happened, you were like, yo, come to the office tomorrow. I was like, okay. So I Uber back home. And this is like where all the money basically I would spend was going back from the fucking valley all the way to Wilshire and doing all the shit. You're like, come to the office. So we go down to Rivedine's office, who you were working with at the time. And uh, they were producing the documentary. And you're like, yo, I'm working. I'm directing this documentary. We started a little while ago. We've done a bunch of interviews. I've been cutting this like uh, intro trailer type thing. I don't know if you... Was it initially the intro or was it for uh, it was pitch it was for a sizzle to kind of pitch the idea, but it then became the intro. The intro. The yeah, yeah, it was like it's it is what it is now yeah. if you watch But that. I think like I always knew that Ben Ben was special and Ben was talented and I think um Ben was willing to put in the work, but also when you find people that you vibe with on the level that we did, you got to hold on to those people because it's such a collaborative process. Right, right. And that would have never gotten done if you didn't jump on and help me with it. Yeah, no, for sure. And it for me it was just cool because well, the first time we came out there, you took me to the old riveting office. I remember walking in, I'm seeing BT or uh, BT Awards and MTV Music Video Awards or whatever. I see like a moon man. And I'm like, oh my God, there's a fucking moon man. This is crazy. And then to come back and you're like, yo, just come in the, the edit bay with me. We like sit in the edit bay and you're, you're showing me this thing. And I'm like, this is crazy. But to me, like I really could go home tomorrow. So I'm like, oh, yo, what if, so you're direct. So like, I'm trying to understand it. You're directing this. So like your ideas matter (laughs) like you could make anything happen basically right so then i opened my mouth and i remember saying something like oh what if you did this and you're like oh that's cool and then i was like oh cool so i just kept opening my mouth and then you're like yo come back tomorrow okay cool and then i come back and you'd be like oh you want to help me we want to load this shit in there and sync this thing sure cool boom do that real quick or me i'd think of something like oh yo 
do you know about this? And I'd show you something. You'd be like, oh, that's cool. And then you'd be like, oh, check do this you need out. need more coffee? Yeah, I know. I'm fucking hype right now. <laughs> no, no, no. I meant oh, like back, back then. then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, do you need coffee? Do you want some fucking neon or whatever the fuck they had in the office? Trash. That shit was oh, so bad. Gosh. Uh but we do that, and I and I was around you, and I and I just wanted to make sure you just wanted to have value. Yeah, any whatever way that you were you doing, could. yeah, it was so amplified. whenever you would you would sit back and you would watch, and whenever you saw a place that you could contribute or add value to, you'd pop in and and try and try do to that. be a part of it somehow. And yeah, totally. So cool. It, it was cool to see, you know, that you were just at the beginning of making that film, and then you just I don't know why you did it. You just were like, "Do you want to come back?" And I was like, "Okay." And I came back and then you just kept bringing me back. And then the next thing I know, that's like, I was at Craig's all the time, full time, just chilling there, watching people not doing anything. And Craig's trying to do, do what he's trying to do and set it up. And there's just all the, there would just be so much traffic. Like we had a studio in the basement. We had like, like J rock would be at the house recording. Absolutely. All these dudes that I've looked up to come through the house. Like, uh, uh, what's that DJ's name? A track or a rap music? A track. A track. The DJ? Yeah. He came through, like, people would just be coming through the house all the time. Machine and Kelly tore it up one time. Craig wanted to kill him. I remember that. <laughs> um, all this shit, but um, I just remember coming to the office and feeling, like, needed. And my entire goal when I moved to LA, like I said before, with the whole thing of, like, if I blow up, my then I can do something. Like, I can put my team on, right? Like, I needed to go... I, the whole goal was to, it wasn't like, what, what did you, did you move to LA to do videos? No, actually I came out there just to kind of like create. And I've always said that. And I still, I think the word content creator is super overused and abused. Everyone's a content creator or whatever, but it's the easiest way to describe truly what I do because I am not just a director. I am not just an editor. I'm not just a musician or whatever. Like I'm just, I make shit. Like I make a lot of different shit and it can vary from time to time what it is. But to me, I, I that's what I do. And so I guess coming here, I just wanted to build, I care about my voice. Like I want to have a voice and make an impact. So whatever I had to do to build my platform or build my voice, I would do it. And whatever seemed to work or take me in that path, I would do that first. And you bringing me in and introducing me to that world and bringing me back, I was like, this is work. Like this is working. Why would I just be like, no, no, no. I need to go sit in the studio and make, be by myself and not do, you know what I mean? Like it just worked. And I was like, who knows where this goes? Maybe I, if I stop doing music for the next few months and I do this video thing, maybe I come back to music, which I never did. I haven't done it yet. Cause there's, there's no reason to right now. I don't need to make music. I don't, I feel like I'm expressing myself this way very well. So I don't know. It was, it was cool that you brought me in and then I was able to kind of explore that route and, see what you were doing and learn from you and you were teaching me so much shit about the industry and like how production works and like how to talk to clients. I'm sitting in the car with him everywhere we go. I just, I'm in the car. I'm always in the car leaving my shit and uh, my water bottles in there and shit. And like, <laughs> but we'd be in the car and he's, uh, he calls people all the time and he's a, doing what producers doing. He's producing the fuck out of shit. He's calling this guy like, Hey, cool. So how much we don't have that much money in the budget. All right, cool. So maybe let's move $400 from this, this model. Let's lose a model, but let's give that 400 to this grip. And then he'll bring in the thing or whatever. Like I'm hearing you shift money around and it's like, it's like check or not checkers. It's like fucking whatever. I don't know. Something that, resembles what i'm doing with my arms if you're watching this on video connect four I don't connect know. four i don't <laughs> fucking know like you're just linking logging <laughs> shit <laughs> you're just like hot glue gutting things to wood you know what i mean like but like it was it was crazy and that was like when, when i first came out i remember sitting in the car and we were in traffic going downtown and like we weren't moving and you were just calling all these people talking about some real shit i'm like this is crazy like i'm in the car hearing about some shit about a chris brown video this is nuts to hear and then it happened and then to come back and just do it and be around that and then by default, by working on the film, 
then like Cal was there and Cal's Riveting's artist. And then I would take Cal to the roof and I'm like, yo, what if I did a drone video, bro? I saw you and I look up, I know your shit. Like you're cool. Like check this out. Like what if I do like a drone selfie on top of this tall ass building off Wilshire? And it's, it sounds crazy, but <clears throat> how, how much did just learning to fly a drone get you in the door so, so many times? Much. So much. Me being a nerd in Iowa and like loving it. Like Tim had the first, he built his first drone. It's in my Patreon video. I like show you just see him taking off this fucking thing he built himself and then dji started releasing stuff and we started playing with it but we play with those drones so much just before drones are really like <laughs> as as mainstream as, as they are now and i yeah. remember you bringing the drone to set and bringing it around um you know just different random places and meetings we have with celebrities and you you take it out and naturally people would just come and hover over you to like, check it out is, it? is this one but, of those drones? But, but you knew that that was kind of your way in the door to be able to make mm -hmm. relationships with other creators yeah. and the people around you which is smart yeah because it'd be cool you film something real quick and then it'd be so easy to toss on my computer that's with me probably in my drone bag and then just like edit something real quick and in that same meeting I can turn around and show whoever it is what I made and that's what happened I'd show Cal Cal's like oh shit this is dope then me and Cal become friends very easily or then we go to a Chris Brown video and you guys are sitting there and I'm like hey I could fly the drone over downtown and do this or whatever cool and had you gone on to a tour schoolboy Q at this point mm -mm. okay so you're you're assisting <laughs> for me on the Chris Brown documentary and then do you go f did you go to tour around then no dog that didn't happen till after Mary's doc after Mary's documentary on Schoolboy Q. Yeah. So we just, did royalty uh, series. We that's did. right. So we did the Chris Brown royalty series. Yeah. You uh, you were started off as assistant editor on the Chris Brown doc and then provided so much value that I offered you the co-editor position. Appreciate it. That was For tight. Sure. That's fuck. Because yep. I struggled with that too. I remember struggling with that really hard because I didn't, like we, we spent, how long do you think we edited that movie? Like not counting the time that you, just you and me moving forward was like nine months I feel like. Before the film was almost done, and then it still, then it took like another year and a half to finish it. But like, mm. it took us like nine. I remember I have videos of us like popping champagne because we thought it was over. We're like, we made the movie, yeah. and then the movie kept changing afterwards. Like, yeah. And with documentaries, there's there's no script, and there's so many hours of footage from so interviews in the fun. can, and there's a million different ways that you can approach the film at any given time. It's not like a, a feature film script right. where the script is in front of you, and it's just like, oh, do we yeah. use this take or that take? It's like you're really creating and directing this movie in real time mm -hmm. so it took us forever so we did that we finished that if you want to like i'm just trying to yeah, get no, to the next thing was anything you want to touch on in there so chris brown doc we did the royalty video series that you also helped uh you Which jumped like on and helped music co videos you yep. produce did you direct any of them or was that uh, chris produced chris chris, chris, chris directs, directs all, all of his videos basically yep. but yeah you produce those and then you'd be editing them and you'd have me come in i remember the first two royalty videos uh liquor and zero mm -hmm. you i like sat in the room with you and chris and like yep. watch you edit and i'd be able to like sometimes be like, oh. and then yeah. i was like oh that's so cool so for for the royalty video series i produced i also <laughs> edited them so chris directs his videos and then we sit in the edit room together and i'll edit and chris will sit next to me and direct me on the edit so during this time ben would sit on the couch behind us and just kind of observe. And then when I would get tired, cause these, these are like all night edit sessions. All night. I would like need a break because it was just insane. The amount of time we spent, Ben would hop in the seat and Ben would help me. Yeah. Then I'm like cutting music videos and like just sitting there, you get to know like the artists and shit. And like, I'm like being able to sit down and like make like Chris, fulfill whatever it is to make the video make sense and i'm like i'm setting up the projects i know exactly where everything is i'm like oh this is so cool like and i'm just trying to do what i can do to help out and then like to fast forward and to be able to say like cool i got to edit some of that shit and then to like edit the sequences and certain random shit or to go and do the fucking osmo and i remember um 
like DJI put out this gimbal called the Osmo. If you don't know, check it out. But before it came out, I remember seeing a teaser, like they, you know, promoted it for the first time. And I remember sitting there and we were in the edit bay and I remember I emailed them the night before and was like, Hey guys, uh, I do BTS for this Chris Brown videos and all shit. I'm on this doc. And I think it'd be cool to use that on set and talk about how I used it as a BTS videographer. And just maybe I could make like a blog post or something. I didn't know. I just reached out and they called me the next day. Like, dude, we'd love to, uh, we'd love to like get this in somehow in the music video to actually be used to shoot it. And I was like, dog, it's like a real DP. I don't know. No, like, I don't think it's going to happen. Like I can use it to do BTS, but that's as good as it's going to get. So me and Chris are sitting there after, you know, everyone was editing and then there's like a break and everyone like goes to the bathroom and goes and eats food or something. And Chris is just sitting in there on his phone and I was sitting there and I like turned to him. I was like, he had just described doing the snorri cam look for Picture Me Rolling. He's like, I want to walk through the house and be all fucked up, and I want to look like I'm crazy, like really tripping through the house. And the snorri cam's like the thing that you wear, like a you wear like a vest, and then the cameras there's like a pole that sticks out, and the camera's filming you. So it's like your perspective. Whenever you lean, it leans. You know what I mean? That's supposed to give that drunk vibe. And I was thinking, how crazy would it be to put a gimbal at the end of that instead of like a GoPro or whatever or DSLR? And I just said it and I, you know, I'm like trying to understand my boundaries or whatever. And like, I don't want to piss anyone off. And Chris just seemed cool with me at that time. Cause we just edited some shit and he's like respecting speed ramps that I was doing or some shit. And I was like, yo, you know how you said that you want the snore cam thing? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, this new thing just came out and it's like this tiny gimbal and it's a stabilized video, but no one's ever done this where you put that at the end of a snoring cam and then can control the head. But like, what if you're walking through the party and I can make the head do a full 360 and come back to you and people, but it's coming from your perspective and it moves. And I'm like, that'd be crazy. And he's like, fuck yeah, that's what I want. That's like some Chris Brown shit. Like some never been, done, you know, how Chris, some never been done before shit. Like that's what we do. That's what we do. I was like, oh shit. So then I'm like calling the guy and like, yo, I need to get the thing. And he like gave it to me. And I had, I had to shoot that day and we're at Chris's house and like the Jenners are all there and fucking ASAP Rocky and French Montana. My throat's all fucked. <clears throat> but I remember we had that, that go last. And one of the grip dudes had like built this vest, uh, you know, like a softball chest protector and like built the thing out of it and we got it to work and I had to like crawl around Chris by his knees because the connection from the phone to the thing would disconnect if I got too far and control it and I was sweating because it was like the end of the night, everyone's been there for fucking, you know, 15 hours. You're nervous because you don't want to piss no one off and he's like, everyone out of the house, crew, everyone out of the house except for the party. Me, we're going to get the shot and so it's just me in there. I'm like, man, I could piss him off or some shit. Like, what if he gets the whole squad to jump my ass because I got missed the shot? Who knows what's going to happen? This is scary. Like, I cannot fuck up this shot. Like, he, he wants this. You know, he already said he wants it. He wants to do this shit. So I got to come through. And I remember walking around, creeping around on my knees, fucking filming and doing it. And I'm watching. I'm like, oh my God, this is working. Like, this is crazy. And he had this shot where this girl's twerking on him. And you can see his hands. And then the camera swings to him and his boys, like, oh shit. And then it swings back and it's the girl twerking again. And I, ki- I killed that part and it worked. And I remember him watching it in the edit bay, like loving it, blown away. And I was like, just, I had nothing to lose to offer. And if anything, I, my whole goal is to always elevate whatever I am around, right? And I've kept that with me since the jump. So 
If, however, I can elevate you while we're editing the duck. However, I can elevate a music video by providing a drone. If this thing can work and make his visual look a little cooler, cool. Let's say try yes it. until you can say, say no. yes till you can say fucking no. So I had nothing to lose, and so I tried it, and it worked, and it was cool, and and now me and Chris are boys from that or whatever. So it's fucking tight, you know. But those those were like some insane months for us because we were shoot all day long edit all night long. like fuck that was crazy. crazy and doing the doc at the same time so we finished the royalty videos mm -hmm. you're still sleeping uh <laughs> on the mattress or my place or yeah wherever you could at that point yep um still didn't have your own place no. so you're still grinding yeah still hustling um and then mjb.com comes around Yep, mary um, j blige so we start shooting with mary j blige we're in the studio with her andrew's directing this one again we're co-direct editing i mean mm -hmm. and um and you're also shooting this and time. shooting. I was shooting second camera with Alexander Nikishin, which was cool. Um, yeah, we were in the studio with her for like a month or two months or something while she recorded her new album. And uh, it was insane because we were at. Um, What's it like when you're doing all this and you're calling your friends and family back home, like just telling them and the stories get crazier and crazier? That's what I love because our parallels are so <laughs> different. Like for you to grow up here, like it's so different, like the way, which is so weird because, but which is cool because at the end of the day, I think our worth ethics are the same and we are brought back to, but I mean so many California people that are just chill and too used to it that don't, you know what I mean? Like something yeah. about, even though you grew up in it, you still are hungry as fuck and run for like and hustle for it. And that's like why I think we work so well together. But like you grew up acting in fucking minority report. And he's like this, everyone look it up, please God. It's the fucking funniest shit to watch. Young Andrew. Were you watching it on your flight the other day? It was randomly on my flight. It was like, here's 10 movies and here's five movies picked by the crew. And one of them was minority report. And he's I'm like, in my, I better be getting residuals off this. Yeah, no shit. He's in, he was in that movie. So you grew up being a kid actor and like had yeah. been in the shit and went to a cool film school and like got in your high schools and what, like all your, sh like when we compare our videos that we made yeah. back then, your I think shit it's also why like a hustle so hard is because i've seen it on the biggest scale possible yeah. with steven spielberg and like that's well that's now my bar like right. that's what i want to get to yeah exactly so it's like that's why i hustle so hard because i've gotten a taste of it and i've seen it and i want to get to it that's dope um but it was cool when i tell people back home because i'm like yeah i don't know just every time it's like a level up like oh my yeah. god like or i'll text i have like the group chat with the boys i'll be like yo fuck guess who i just ran into at this point it's like it happens so much that it's not even really cool anymore. Like, I don't know. It's weird now because it's like, now it's so, we're just in the shit and it's regular and I, and it's like some stuff, it still blows my mind, but I, I don't know if it even matters to anyone back home because everyone's just growing up and I don't think it ever will really make sense why this person meant so much for me to connect to this person and like, I can't believe I was over in this spot because that, watch what happens because I met this guy. You know what I mean? Like, no one really understands that back home. Yeah. This is what I do is just so random and shit off the wall. So it doesn't really make sense. But it's still fun to tell, like, because Neil, I sent screenshotted for sure when Travis Barker followed me. I sent it to the group <laughs> chat. And Neil's like, oh, fuck. Like, I'll be your assistant. Like, let me come out there and work for whatever he asks you to do. Like, I'll be there. It's so funny. But yeah, anyway, we did Mary's doc. We did at Marvin's, Marvin's room, which was fucking cool, off Sunset. That was uh, the last studio Michael Jackson recorded in. Marvin Gaye's old studio and got to be with the fucking goat, dude. Mary J. Blige yeah. is a legend. Like, so th this was different from Chris's doc because Chris's doc was a, a year, year and a half time period. But Mary's doc was literally while she was recording this album. So it was only a month long. Uh, it didn't take us very long to edit it, right? right? So we took everything we learned from the first doc, put it into this doc. Around that same time, you reconnect, not reconnect because he's your boy, but yeah. you talk with Marcus about EA Sports. So at this point, oh, yeah. Marcus is seeing everything you're doing because you're leveling up. You're, you know, now co-editing, now you're shooting, you're around all these people. I think, did that play into him trusting you with the next opportunity that you were offered? 
Um, well, and, and he f- advanced in his career. So mm-hmm. while I'm advancing, he's advancing. Now he's overseeing a lot of shit having to do with the social side of EA Sports games. Which, by the way, is so dope to always like keep in touch with all your boys who might not be at the top right now. And girls. Everybody, and girls. Everybody levels up at some point. Mm-hmm. And so if you just keep you know, managing those relationships, yeah. the idea is that you all come up and you all can help each other out right. in the, is the end game. Because sometimes you might not even know that someone that you did like went to high school with is doing someone, something very similar yeah. just because you stayed out of touch. Like, it's hard to manage it all, but it is important to do all that shit. But yeah, he... So he, he rises his career, you rise mm-hmm. in your career. Yeah, so he, he reaches out toward us finishing finishing the end of the doc. Was it was it when Mary's doc got done? It and was right around the end, yeah. So he asked me, he called me and was like, yo, I want you to direct this spot with Little Dicky, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown, Von Miller. Three, like, all these superstar NFL players, which I fucking am a terrible NFL fan, so I don't know a whole lot about it. So I have to do some deep research right quick to come up with creative, um, pitch to Dicky, get him on board. You know what I mean? He had his boy Tony that was there, so we were working with Tony. Tony's a fucking beast director. He just sounds like, wait, how many points you get for a touchdown? Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> When's halftime. But, uh, yeah, that's a whole nother story. My dad always wanted me to play football. Uh, but I had to direct the shit and basically we pulled it off like creative production. Everything came together in like four days or less, something crazy like that. Like I remember just not And that sleeping. was your first experience being in the director scale at that level. Yeah. Massive. Or, sorry, director's chair at that level. Which was funny because I asked Marcus about that and I was like, yo, I haven't technically like directed anything. Like I've directed small little dumb things, but nothing like you're about to throw a shit ton of money at me. Like I've never like, are you sure? He's like, dude, it doesn't matter. I'm the guy that pulls the trigger. Like I know, I believe in you. And don't I ever do that by the way, if you don't know the the person. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell, don't tell like someone that's ready just to give say you yes. And then figure it out behind the scenes. Yeah. But Marcus is my boy. I'm yeah. like, yo, I don't want to fuck this up for you. And he's like, dude, I know that you can handle this. Like this is a job for you. Cool. Gives us a bag. And killed it. Killed it. You Fucking killed it. Made killed so it. much content that, yeah, got the squad together. And we killed that shit. And, their their goal was to deliver like one video right like they wanted like one asset that would go on youtube and i think we created like four main assets and then like 15 deliverables like all in a 12-hour day like maximize the fuck out of the day dave dicky dave was fucking unreal and a trooper and went ham on everything so i had him in full football outfit pads everything kicking balls and fucking up and throwing footballs and running and then we like prank called like justin bieber and people that video didn't even come out uh, there's a lot of shit that a lot of the videos didn't come out with the, their their team, and but it was so crazy because we were just doing all this shit, and I only had every football player for an hour. Remember how fucking crazy that was? So I would like maximize the fuck out of the hour, which is funny because the next EA video, the next big one that we did, was pretty much the same thing, <laughs> same fucking thing. But mm. um, yeah, that was crazy. But that that got me a check. That got me into an apartment. I was living at your house on the couch and suddenly a studio opened up below this house that Andrew lived at on sunset was iconic. It's the comedy store house. It's this fucking massive house that, um, that, uh, what's her name owns, uh, Mitzi Shore, Mitzi Shore, Polly Shore's mom. If you know Polly Shore from his acting days and, and leaning tower at cheese that, um, Polly Shore's mom owned this spot and, all these all these superstars used to live there. I remember staying on Andrew's couch. I literally lived in this room. I had sheets on the windows and shit. And I remember going on, I was on BuzzFeed and there was a BuzzFeed article about the house, about all the people that lived there. Like all these all-star comedians. It used to be the spot where the whoever performed at the comedy store, they would crash at the house after. So yeah. it'd be like Robin Williams and Goats. everybody you could think of. Everyone that was a rock star. And I was just so blown away. And then um, the, the studio opened up underneath like the patio and I called Polly's brother 
and got in touch with him because a deer told me he's like yo call him maybe you can stay down there and i was like hey i just want to move in and um he's like all right cool well we're thinking it's like twenty four hundred dollars a month i was like fuck i don't have twenty four hundred dollars a month what do you mean like i just i'm still on the couch like maybe i could come up with like a thousand dollars or eleven hundred and uh and i basically traded him cheap rent for like three months in exchange for drone shots of the house and his locations down in San Diego that he owned, like some real estate shit. So I bring it back to real estate roots to secure my fucking apartment. So I went, did that, shot the apartment, got to live in there for two months. It was up, went down to San Diego, shot three of his spots down there, doing all kinds of shit, virtual tours, way too much shit, getting an apartment for $1,200, but I'm living on Sunset Boulevard. And I remember coming there the first time you brought me there and I'm like, oh my God, I'm in like this, I'm in fucking, I'm in like, this like this is it right here where i'm at i'm in the hills and then when lauren came for the first time she saw it and i like we were like looking over and i was mad cheesy with it i'm like i'm gonna fucking run this city like <laughs> we're looking at it as a night we're like sitting there I'm like this is insane and then we live there like a year later like ea set, set that up like i directed that then i edited a couple other spots for them um and just got initial money and then i started working with like influencers and shit and the td thing happened but before we get to the td thing i have got to take a fucking piss so let's Could pause. To, do you want me to give like a mo- quick monologue while you're peeing? Should I bring back the, the acting? <laughs> do you remember your lines? I'm going to get water. You remember the lines? Dad! No. Dad! But come I'll here! We'll be right right back, everyone. Um, in the meanwhile, since this is new and I, I'm enjoying doing it, uh, find us on Patreon to support us, Black Window Cream, on Patreon. Um, because that's going to help us out a fuck ton in growing this and taking this podcast and the community to the next level. Patreon.com slash Black Window Cream. This commercial's over. Goodbye. Yo, we're back. I had to pee, so sorry about my bladder. But uh, I don't... What were we just talking about? Uh, Influencers. Yeah, so we, we yeah. shot those spots for EA Sports. It was your first time in the, mm-hmm. the big boy director chair. Yep. Um, and then we... I can't remember if I introduced you to, was it through Taylor Cup Films or whatever? It doesn't matter. But you start working with some influencers on sh- the shots roster. Like Rudy and them. Yeah, it was through, yep. y- you introduced me to Jordan and then Jordan hit me up to bring me out to fly oh, drones. Oh, again, it was the drone. <laughs> it was the fly drones. Yeah. He's like, hey man, could you come out here? Rudy's doing a video out in the desert. Like, it'd be cool if you could come shoot drones. Honestly, I thought it was going to be for an hour. And I went out there and we were out there all day long. I got sunburnt like a motherfucker. We were way out in the desert, made this really funny video. And I, I didn't do anything the entire time. I shot some sort of vloggy BTS type shit for no reason. And then, um, and then at the very end, Rudy wanted to run Rudy Mancuso, find him on the internet. He's fucking funny. He's a genius and he's a really good musician, but he, uh, was running through this desert and he needed me to chase him with the drone, but it was so windy out there that I was like, yo, I think the drone's actually going to crash. Like if I fly it, but I, I also was like, fuck it. Like I want to impress this dude. I want to get him to want to work with me. So I tossed the drone up and it was insane. I like flying that that wind was so crazy. And I'm trying to chase him and a bunch of people running through the desert and stay framed up. And I'm like going and the drone looks like it's gonna flip over because it's so windy. And I got like two takes out of it. And then we were in the car and I remember pulling it up and I was like pu- looking through it and he's sitting next to me. We we're driving back and Rudy's like, Oh my god, bro, this is my favorite shot ever. Like he starts seeing, he's like, I love this, this is my favorite thing. Like for some reason it was his favorite the favorite thing that we got out of the whole day was this drone shot. And at this point, drones have been out for a little while and some people were starting to use them regularly. So it kind of was weird for me because I'm like, wait, really? You don't use drones like all the time? Like what the fuck? And so then Rudy started, he's like, you're my guy. Like he called his manager, um, Sammy and they run shots 
Shot Studios, which is like this conglomerate of like social influencers and they manage all these artists and like now they're doing musicians, DJs, they got shows on Netflix and shit, they're killing it. Uh I'm actually supposed to go talk with them next week. And then uh so he tells that dude, they hit me up like, yo, we want you to come and shoot another video. Rudy loved you. He wants to have you around again. Like, could you come shoot this video? So I go back and like, at the time they're paying pretty good money for just YouTube sketches and shit. And it's like my first time working on it, like with real YouTubers that are getting millions of videos, views on their videos when they drop them. And so we shot like a basketball sketch and then like, then they needed help with like Lele Pons, who's one of their other influencers and then Hannah and all these Anwar and all these people. So I started bouncing around between all of them and I'm just kind of shooting their shit, doing my shit. Uh, we were still wrapping up the doc. I think we were like starting some other stuff. And then I moved Lauren out to LA. My girlfriend, she lived in Iowa the whole time while I was out here living on the floor. And then when I got a stu studio apartment, I was like, all right, cool. She can maybe pull this off. So she quits her job. We pack the car, move it out to LA. And then like three weeks later, I'm getting a phone call from Musa. My boy that promised me this TDE world tour calls me two years later, almost yo schoolboy kids going on this tour. I, I told you I was going to call you. I want you to be the guy like you got to go. And they didn't really have shit for money for that. And like, it was kind of like this back and forth thing. Cause at the time I'm doing all the YouTube shit. Plus I'm doing EA jobs and like everything's kind of taking off and paying me really well. So I was like, fuck, do I leave the Google tours again to go work on sets for no money type scenario? Like, is it worth that? Like I had to outweigh it. Plus Lauren had just moved here and they're asking me to leave for four or five months to go around the world and do something that I've always wanted to do. And I thought I was going to do it two years ago and didn't happen. And so ultimately we decided that I needed to do it, which was really hard because Lauren didn't understand. She didn't know Q. Ha ha. Bitch ass. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> I'm trying. Uh, she didn't know Q's music at the time. So to her, it was like me going on tour with my local band. Like she it didn't make sense. Why would you leave? Why would you make me move out here and then leave me for, so it was really hard, but uh, ended up going out, didn't make that much money but like the opportunity was insane so like the way outweighing of taking the tour over thinking about the budget and the money or whatever it didn't like this was like okay cool if i shoot this shit for him i can finally s s do what i want to do i want to piece together films and make short pieces and like find ways to curate content and make it at a high level and i did like i made these ill ass recap videos that there wasn't really anything like that i used to watch Wiz khalifa's day-to-day -day videos i studied that shit like a motherfucker like his videos, all like I told you, this is all shit I did in Iowa. I studied all these people's content. And then when I got into a position where I could potentially make that content, I was dreaming big. I'm like, man, wouldn't it be crazy if I had a drone shot outside the venue or I had this and this? And I'm like, I had the stabilizer and all this shit. So I'm running and gunning and shooting the shit, shooting sh uh, photos of the shows all by myself, turning around content every night from these shows. And they never really had anything like that before. And so it made me stick out really hard. And I built like a little bit of an audience, which was cool. And so we toured everywhere. We did all of the US. We did uh, Europe. We were in, uh, we went to fucking Iceland, Australia, Canada. It was a long tour, but it was cool. Cause then I built a good relationship with Q and I built like, you know, a relationship with all his friends. And then worked on i shot some of kendrick's shit too just by default by being around which is the same thing as me being around you then all of a sudden by default i'm working on chris brown stuff so it's you know that's kind of how it works and uh and then when i got done with the tour i had built like a small fan base but they were all like photo video driven people like there's fans that are just fans of the music but then there's a lot of fans that were fans of the art that i was creating and they would ask me a million questions and that kind of bridges us into like me starting black window cream at that time, which when I started, I'm like, at the time they wanted me to do Kendrick's tour, the damn tour. Remember? Mm -hmm. 
And so I was trying to decide if I go on that tour, if it was worth not take like the budget We're you know, we're having differences on money and stuff and trying to figure out what we wanted to do. And ultimately I decided not to take the tour and the day the tour started, I'm thinking I made the biggest mistake of my life trying to like flex and be like, I can't do this. Tour. You know what I mean? Like, fuck, do I do this and take the hit on money again or, and try to build the opportunity? I, I was like, I feel like I shouldn't, I have all these other projects and opportunities that have come so far. Like I need to do all these. And so when I didn't do the tour, I launched Black Window Cream the same day the tour started, which I was really fucking bummed that day because I've seen content from like fans and shit. I'm like, fuck, he's playing in arenas. Like I want to play in arenas. Like I wanted to, I've toured at Q's level. I want to go up and do Kendrick's like never performed at massive like staple centers and shit like this. Like I want to capture that. Didn't go. And then when Black Window Cream started, I remember like 30 people joined and it was so cool because I watched a kid from uh, Vegas post in the group and say, hey, I'm a videographer and I just want to learn about shooting rap videos and make music videos. And then another kid, and he goes, and I'm from Vegas. And then another kid joins and he goes, yo, I'm from Vegas. I'm a rapper and I want to make music videos. Like we should connect. And they exchange phone numbers. And like I watched that happen the first day and that was my goal. I wanted to create a place that creators could come together because they're asking me a shit ton of questions. I can't answer them all the time come and ask their questions or share their ideas and their advice and build like a community where everyone could connect. And it happened on the first day. Like, and I saw that shit, even at a low number. I'm like, Oh fuck. And now the group's like 4,000, 4,100 people, I think. Uh, sorry, I burped. You probably could hear that guys. I'm sorry. You should make that super loud in the mix. <laughs> Ram people's ear. They listen to this in their car and all of a sudden it's over this, all the speakers. <laughs> I hope Nico cuts, uh, some like stock footage of people driving a car and like my burp just comes in really blown out. Anyway, uh, that's when I started that and it's cool to see what it's, it's turned into, but it, it was cool because not only that, like then we took on a bunch of jobs and we started working on a bunch of projects and you started doing branded content and then we're doing a, uh, directed a doc with you and me both co-directed now a doc about Lewis Howe who has an ill podcast um and has a cool summit called summit of greatness but his podcast is dumb big it's got like 80 million downloads or some shit like massive he interviews all kinds of people and so we went in and we made a piece which still isn't out yet um but we spent a majority of the time in that year doing that while i was building this and started this podcast and was trying to juggle it all uh which was fucking insane and and then what else happened <laughs> Am I covering this? I don't know. I feel like a lot uh, yeah. of stuff happened. The tour was massive. Like just to do a tour like that, which I can go, maybe I'll do another podcast where I could just talk about touring, but yeah, it was my first time doing it. Like being on a bus and doing real production and trying to like, but then to like build an audience like that and then be able to pull up to any TD event and people know who I am there. Like, like that shit's pretty tight to me, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. And that's the end. So it's not the end. <laughs> So you go on that tour and yep. that prepares you for an opportunity that you were about to get for a bigger tour. Mm -hmm. And that was the Beyonce Jay-Z on the run two tour. Yep. We were, what were, we were just finishing Lewis's doc towards the end of doing Lewis's doc. And we were spending a lot of time doing that and trying to figure out how to build this be what is now becoming be a human. But at the time we were trying to figure out what our production company could look like and designing it. And we were all very spread out. And then at the time a friend suggested me to work or to like meet Beyonce's team or whatever. One of your other ex-girlfriends, which is crazy to me. <laughs> what a, what a way to connect. Always be friends with your friends, girlfriends. That's the moral of this story. I got nothing to say on that. I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, uh, 
So I'm now celibate. Sorry to all my other friends. <laughs> You're not. No one else is getting hooked up. <laughs> so Tara is, saw an email or something and suggested my shit to her boss Nathan at Free Enjoy, which was cool of her to do. And basically, it was like we're looking for someone like Ben, but he didn't know me. So she showed him my shit, and so I don't know what happened, but somehow Parkwood Beyonce's company saw it and had me come in. Oh, sorry, no. Yeah. Before even on the run, Coachella. Coachella. My bad. No, yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about before even on the run came mm-hmm. about. Yeah. This you is offer the opportunity that. for Coachella. Basically. Uh, they brought me in and kind of like tried me out or whatever. I don't really know how to describe it, but it was basically like that where I came in and just shot shit, but I didn't know I was shooting B until I got there and like the person sitting down telling me this stuff and they're like, I'm like, who am I here for? Like, it was just a meeting that I was supposed to bring my gear in case I shot. And she's like, Beyonce. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, she's getting ready for Coachella. We're, you know, capturing that, blah, blah, blah. So I'm just shooting, like, you know, BTS, like, what you know, capturing the moments and whatnot. And I had to kind of, like, prove myself. And I did a uh, same-day edit that night and showed them. And then they hit me back a couple weeks later. And then a couple weeks after that, they brought me back in. But I actually didn't go because I was doing a video for Rudy. And then Rudy was sick and canceled it. So I missed both opportunities. I felt like an idiot because I'm like, oh, my God, I just said no to Beyonce. Possibly could have got another, like, worked with them. Then later on, they bring me back, which was cool. And I basically started shooting with them and uh, during the entire rehearsal process, um, which was like, I think, I don't know how long it was, but basically like since January of this last year, I was with her almost the entire time. But leading up to Coachella at one point, she saw some of my, my Ronin work that I was shooting just like during rehearsals and loved it and somehow it was like, that's what I want or whatever. And I heard it and then I was like, Oh shit, I should get like a wireless pack or whatever. And like I could project it to the video walls and so you could see it. And she liked it. And eventually they didn't, they had me do what the Steadicam guy was going to come to do. What it was cool because I could use new tech to like find, invent new ways to shoot a live show. Like now my camera, cause you have a Steadicam operator who's amazing. They're amazing. They get great footage, but their rigs are so big and they're strapped to their shit that they couldn't like we had a pyramid at Coachella, like this massive pyramid with like a band and dancers on it. I was in the pyramid making, I was doing fucking passes in like tight gaps because I could, but you can't do that with the steady cam. So I was getting all these new angles that they didn't have and they liked it. And like, long story short, they hired me to be her like main camera at Coachella, like the main steady cam. We had choreographed moves and I would take her out from the B stage, the A stage and back bringing destiny's child out i'm like they're i'm the first beyonce reveal at that concert like the most insane shit that I, that could ever happen happened to me within a span of like two months you know what i mean like just going in to shoot like bts and it turned into me having like one of the most pinnacle roles like to t- to explain how nervous i was filming the first shot of the first show because it's two weekends back-to-back concerts and she headlines it there's like a hundred thousand people watching and they're screaming and they haven't seen her in a while because she had the kids she had the twins and like she's been off the grid and then she comes back and does this insane performance. And it's all about the camera movements. Like the entire show is camera driven. That's all it is. And I'm just like, I do this first shot and I'm like holding the, I'm, at this point it's not a Ronin anymore. It's not an a seven S I'm using a fucking Alexa mini with fucking Movi and I've been shooting nonstop and my back's all fucked. And like, it was such an intense, like intense transformation of my body, but I'm shooting and I have the Movi and I have to start out and I pan up and I see joy. She's on the drums and she's like, 
and this is the beginning. So everyone's like, oh, fuck. And then the, she moves out of the way, and then there's dancers that have flags, and they're like, foo, 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 move the flags, and I come through there, and then the dancers are there, and they all move out of the way, and I come through, and then there's fucking Beyonce, and she's in this dope-ass cape, and it's, it's so ill, and she turns around, and then I have to walk backwards, and I'm walking back, like, try, like when I got to her and had to start walking backwards, my nerves, I've ne- I don't know why, I've never felt some shit like this, being nervous, but my nerves were so high that my legs felt so jello-y that I thought I couldn't walk backwards anymore. <laughs> and Dave, who's my intern at the time for Black Widow Cream, became my assistant during that whole time and became my spotter. So I'm just hoping that he dr- like would drag me because <laughs> I felt like I could just sit down and quit and be like, why did I get hired? Like, why I've never done this before. Like, why am I doing this shit? But I didn't, I like walked back and I had to go up these steps backwards and like all this insane shit. But as soon as we did that first introduction thing, like the rest of the show, like went by like that and it was just like rehearsal and like, it was nuts. Like that shit was an experience, but then I guess they liked me. And so they asked me to come on tour with them. Yeah, it was too bad your legs didn't give out because that would be the craziest meme yeah. of all time. Oh my god, it was terrifying, dog. Like I don't know how to explain it to you. I think I shit like I shit probably six or seven times in the porta potty right before the show. Wow. Swear to God, within like thirty minutes. I swear to God. Sh- swear to God. All right, so re- <laughs> I swear to God, <laughs> I I couldn't stop drinking water and I kept peeing and then I just had nerves were just nerves were just sliding through me man i was dying anyway so that was pretty crazy but um it was cool because i think on uh, before even the first show they asked me to go on the tour and i was like oh my god which is nuts to some full circle shit because when i found out when they asked me to do kendrick's tour i met i had lauren me and lauren i'm telling her about it and i know how she was after doing the first tour she had to go she went back to iowa so she went home we moved to la and then she went back to iowa and lived at her parents house and tried to pick up some of her old clients and shit it was a disaster for like four or five months so i just fucked up her whole life or prematurely she moves back out to la and then i'm getting asked to go on kendrick's tour which she understands now she knows who kendrick is so she's like i mean of course you gotta go on this tour and i'm like fuck and I'm trying to explain to her, like, this is it, though. Like, as far as bucket lists go for me, I used to travel and tour in bands with my, in, like, vans, like, 12-passenger vans with my little bands, and we played all these little shows. I've always dreamt of touring on a bus. I've always dreamt that. I wanted that for school so bad. This is my opportunity to do it with Q. Now I'm touring on a bus with the artists and living that life. Then I'm thinking, I'm off for Kendrick's thing, which is in state, uh, not stadiums, but arenas. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like this is as big as like this. This is ill. Like I'm shooting hip hop at the highest form with the illest one of the illest rappers alive. And I told her when we were talking about, I'm like, that's it though. Like when it's done, we're gonna play eighteen thousand people. Like these are the biggest venues. Like literally, there's no like this. That's the ceiling. Like I'll have that's my checklist. The only thing that could be bigger than that is like Beyonce or Jay Z. I literally said that sentence to her at this at Cabo Cantina. I think is the name of it. I'm fucking Santa Monica. We were drinking margaritas and I was trying to see if I could smooth her over to think it was a good idea to go on tour with Kendrick. She was already for it, but I just said that to her like, and that'll never happen. That's what I said. Like, why would I go on tour with Beyonce or Jay Z? And then I fucking, a year later, I go on tour with Beyonce and Jay Z that in stadiums all around the world playing in Olympic arenas, playing to a hundred thousand people sometimes. And I'm creating content that she and he likes what the fuck? Like that's fucking crazy. But yeah, they invited me on the tour. I got to do it. It was nuts. Crazy. <laughs> you want to go into more detail on no, that? That's it. Let's call it a night. <laughs> no, Thanks like, for tuning in. Yeah. Like what the, f- like what the fuck dog? If, if, you wouldn't have thought my one of my best friends was hot almost four years ago, dog. 
Damn. I wouldn't have gone on tour with Beyonce. <laughs> Isn't that weird to think about? It's crazy. So just think about it's that, crazy. Andrew. <laughs> but I think it, it, but it also goes, it goes back to what you, what you always say is say yes so you can say no, because you never know what opportunity is going to lead to the next thing. Right. You just never know. You just got to follow your gut, right? Yeah. Yeah, you do. And I think, talk real quick, because I want to make sure the mic's working. Check, check. Oh God, I got nervous for a second. Yeah. So you never know what's going to happen. And, and I felt like you can, you can get used and try to prove yourself and, you know, you have to go through those ropes of taking jobs and doing shit for free and going on tours for no money or whatever. You just have to parlay that. Me and Dave talk about that in our morning roast episodes where we like deep dive into, I don't, have you listened to any of those? We do like Wednesday Not the morning episodes. Roast one, no. You gotta check them out. But it's kind of like fine tuned. We scripted out and shit, but it's like deep diving into stuff. And we talk about like the idea of parlaying yourself. Like if I do this job, can I turn it into three more jobs? Like always say yes to those opportunities. If you think you can get more out of something, like try to do it. Like, of course it sucks to not get this money. Of course we all have rent. And of course we're all sick and tired of like creators being abused and paid trash money and shit. Like it, that sucks. But sometimes you have to finesse the plug and figure out how can I do this and make more money off of this in the future? Or if that, if I do this now, can this benefit me then? And like, I don't know. You just always have to have that attitude. So by having that attitude, it got me to this point, I guess, which is fucking cool shit. And now it's like, I'm in a position to not only have built the platform that I've always wanted and continue to grow that and, and create something like black window cream where I can have a voice and help others have a voice. But I, we can also put people on like to, mm -hmm. for you to take me under your wing and put me on and put me in the seat to be able to have a, my name say, co-edited by Andrew Sandler and Ben Haggerty that played in my movie theater in my hometown that I grew up in and in fucking Mexico and in Europe and all over the United States and four or 500 theaters back-to-back -back weekends. Like, my name said that shit. And people, like, that's fucking crazy. But if you wouldn't have done that, that wouldn't have happened. And if I wouldn't have taken Dave and had him been help, he started with me with the podcast. He was being my assistant on the podcast. And then to bring him on tour as my assistant only to to set up the cameras and make shit dump cars and like there was not supposed to yeah. be an opportunity but when i saw the opportunity to allow him to go on and shoot and fucking do what i was doing like literally have the same job title as me basically like let's go shoot capture shit like yeah we figured but out a system you you knew even at the beginning though that you would be doing shit this big you just didn't know how you would get there and i think it's important that you always believe in yourself even when no one else did and having that vision having that vision for yourself because you're the only one at the end of the day who's gonna Who's going to believe in yourself? Right. Ben Rovers World, bro. But that's yeah. the mentality. I think, it, and if I think you apply that to yourself, and I think that's, that's, unfortunately, that's why I think a lot of people, uh, ha they have dreams that they don't go in and try to actually attempt to achieve them. They have the plans to do it, but then they rely on so much. I wanted to move to Colorado and go to film school and, be a snowboarding videographer, but my friends didn't want to move there yet. So I didn't go. And then film school ended up being too much money. So I didn't go. And then I want to make bands and we want to make these bands, but then it's not everyone else's agenda. So we don't make these bands and that shit all cripples below you. And then you want to make a hip hop group and the hip hop group can't like, there's all these steps that just kind of like, fuck at some point you just have to like, you just have to do it yourself. I, ch my business name, my LLC for the Google photographers was Ben made it. And it's still my LLC. Like almost every time it's like, I have to just take it and fucking run with it and try to turn something into nothing or try to turn nothing into something and then try to make that apply to people and make it f help other people. Like if I can help you out and do whatever it is, like I can say it again, whatever I can do to elevate the people around me is going to secure you into your future. Like 
what unless I came in here, it'd been ten times different if I came in here and was like, All right, cool. Uh I'm Andrew's doing this stuff or whatever and then try to steal all every credit I can possibly get or try to take like I don't know what, what I would, I'm trying to think of a good example, but like to box you out, like, or mm-hmm. to, or to come and get that shit and then just not fuck with you anymore. Yeah. But I think that, that being, being genuine and not doing that is what is what creates longevity in your career because everything comes full, full circle as like we've seen through your story. Yeah. Do you want to dive into details on the, on the run tour? Is that going to be its own podcast? I'm I know not, I said podcast like a Midwest. It's on episode. Pad, podcast. It's going to start a podcast just about Pad, last yes. Podcast. Yeah. What was uh, it like being on tour? You went all over the world. Um, fucking nuts because we did it at the highest level possible. And it was cool because it was like, I'm always like, I'm friends with everyone on the tour. There's like band dancers, all these people that we became good friends with. And every night, there was always something to do. A lot of these people have been in the game with that, like with B or with other artists for like years. You know what I mean? Like choreographers are my good friends and they've like, Chris is one of the best dancers in the world. So is Jaquel. Like, and Jaquel is doing Beyonce and, and Pharrell at the same time. Like, like all these people that you're around are so iconic. And then any night, any given night, like there's always something to do. These people have already been to these cities that we've been to. They know people. We could go to a club. You could go to a club if you wanted that same night, or you could kick it at the hotel and chill and just be by yourself. Like you, there's so many opportunities to see things and experience shit. Like when the first time I was with Q, it was really fun. Cause I'm with Q all the time and we were doing shit, but we were playing a show every single night. So I never got to see any of like the cities and shit. But then this time around, we'd have like two, three days in between shows so I could go see a city. They actually encouraged me to shoot the city. Like they were asking me to capture the environment that we were in so I could go and run around or go see this or go to whatever. So I got to experience it, which was so cool to like have that, like, I don't know, just to be able to do that. And then just to fucking live the life at the highest level possible. You know what I mean? Like four or five star hotels and shit. What the fuck? Like crazy. When I'm used to like going and sharing, like on Q's tour, we were like sharing hotel rooms sometimes or not even getting the hotel. We were just staying in the bus. You know what I mean? Like saving money here and there. Like you just deal with that shit. And it was cool to like be at a, a level where that's not the case anymore, you know? What was the learning curve like uh, shooting the that stage in that arena? <sighs> it's funny because when I remember when I thought that there may be a chance I could get asked to go on tour, I remember looking at... um her website from one of her past tours and seeing some of the photos. And then there wasn't very many videos or, or no, there was some videos, but it was like little recap things. Right. And I remember, remember thinking like, dude, I could kill these photos and the videos. Cause that's what I did on Q's tour. And in my mind that made sense. And then I get on tour and I realized that there's three photographers and there's us doing video, but there's also J- Julian and his girlfriend shooting video on VHS and shit like that. And like, I was like, fuck, there's so many people. Why does this, why do we need so many people? But then you go there and you realize like a stadium is a fucking stadium. Like that shit takes a long time to get from the stage to the top of the arena or the stadium. And then back, like you, you there's not, you have to have a couple people to cover a lot of ground, you know? So like learning how to capture and work as a team, between me and Dave specifically, because we were doing a lot of the social content, was key. Like, Dave, all right, cool. Dave, it became Dave's thing to, like, snipe shots and get beauty shots of, like, B and J, like, close-up shots with, like, 70 to 200, and, like, he had a two-times extender, and he'd just sit on the runway and pop shots off and try to get shots that way. And I'd be doing, like, cinematic shots and moving around. I have to learn the show, and I have to learn my comfortability with the artist. And, like, as I'm, like, they understand and trust me because they're seeing the content I'm getting, it's easier to pitch ideas and be like, hey, um, you know, when B comes back and J starts PSA, like, there's my favorite shot I think from the whole tour Jay walks out and there's pyro going off my name is Hove and like 
B has just come back from doing girls. So her and all these girls were on, on our B stage, which is a bridge and it comes back and they're being lowered back into the ground and they're all holding up the rock, the diamond sign and Jay's walking out and the pyro's going off. And I remember watching it from the front and being like, Oh my God, this shot is so sick. Like I gotta get a shot straight on. And I got the shot of the fire going off and it just lights up and you see B like this. Right. But then I was like, I need to get behind her and see all the fans doing this behind her and the dancers holding this up. But I couldn't ever before because there was so much pyro. So I had to learn coordination. Communication is so key on, on big tours like that because it's so dangerous. So I had to go talk to the fire guys, the pyro guys, let them know like, yo, I want to get here. How can I get here? All right, cool. During this song, if you come out. So I actually had to go out while B was out doing the song, Girls in Formation and shit. I'm in the middle of the stage because I couldn't go out later because I was going to get burned. So I had to stay out here. So I'm actually just planted on the stage, just chilling, waiting. I had to tell Caleb, her assistant, like, yo, before she goes out there, try to tell her to turn around and look straight at my camera. I'll be there. Just tell her, tell her I'll be there. And he's like, all right, I'll let her know. So then I have everyone coordinated and I'm waiting and I had to make sure none of the other photographers follow me out there and shit. And then she comes back and I'm just hoping that she knows I'm there still. Cause she just played for like seven, eight minutes out there and then comes back and she comes down and she's holding it. And I'm like, I'm like, do I start, when do I start doing the push? Cause I'm on a Ronin. I'm getting a stabilized shot. I start pushing in and she turns around and the fire goes off and she's lit so well. And she's looking dead ass in my, like straight to my camera and just follows me as she walks by me. I'm shooting this in 120 and she's walking by, she turns back and she just looks so dope. And then she's walking, she's got the rock, she's holding it all up and the fire is in the background and I'm just like oh my god and I got that shot and as soon as we both came down the stairs I'm just like yelling down underneath the stage like fuck yeah. you know it's like a football <laughs> game like yeah fuck yeah I got that fucking shot I'm like high five in a production dude that doesn't know what just happened like yeah <laughs> like that shit would happen all the time and it was just cool like learning my place and then pitching ideas and showcasing things and then they, that would build the trust and then to have some like to have jay-z come up and tell you that you're sick as fuck with the camera that shit would happen a couple times and like that's the best pat on the back you could ever ask for to have a dude that you've been listening to since you're a fucking kid tell you that you're tight while i'm just trying to film him be dope as fuck and like he actually trusts it and b does the same shit like same with like coachella and all the stuff she'd tell me that stuff all the time it was so cool like it was cool to like build a relationship with like that with them you know what i mean so I don't know. It was just, it was a good learning curve, but it was fun. And it was some of those shows. Sometimes you're really tired because those shows are two and a half hours long. You're trying to just, after a while they become looking the same. So you're trying to figure out what can I do different every show 65 times or whatever it was like, mm. you know, how do I elevate the content every time and try to make it different? So it was a, it was a good, good thing. I don't know. It was fun. Dope. I do think you should do a podcast just on that though. Because that's you. like playing at the highest level. It's like talking about the Super Bowl. I know. You know, how do you prepare for that? How do you navigate that? Yeah. How do you stay healthy? There's so many things we could literally go on for forever about. Yeah. Um, you and Dave should do one about that. We should do one. That'd be fun. Yeah. We'll do that. Um, cool. So you come back from tour. Um, we head off to New York to shoot more spots for EA Sports mm -hmm. uh, that you directed for Battlefield. EA Games technically because it wasn't uh, sports. Games. It was their Battlefield game, which was like their Call of Duty or whatever, their version of that. Which was another situation where they hit Marcus hit me, yo, we we're supposed to have this other crew shoot the shit, blah blah blah. Like, can you come in and save it? Here's a bunch of money. How do we do it? Okay, fuck. And I like pitch them ideas, and then I do the same thing. I over maximize the day, and like almost to the point where it's like, like kind of a joke like there's no way you could get this video done because we had trevor noah who's on the today show funny ass dude king batch amanda cerny stone mountain who's like the goat at gaming online streaming and gaming 
And so all these people come in and I basically have like two hours. It felt like less by the time it happened, but two hours to get the, like the creative completely done. But yeah, we flew Yumi, Sean Kavika flew out to New York. And you were in another situation kind of like you were with the other EA spots where you had to learn that game, a game that you had never played before, right? Leading up to the shoot. So, cause you wrote the spot also. Oh yeah, I wrote it. So Fuck that was like another son. learning curve and another time like where- Like writing scripts and shit. Yeah, I mean- you could have easily anybody could have easily said like no yeah. uh, no i've never played it no you know so many reasons why but you stepped up to the plate and approached that like a boss because you learned the game you talked with whoever you could about yeah. getting the cheat codes and the secrets yeah. and the, the lingo and you wrote that script right because i don't it's the same like i didn't know madden that well when i had to make a madden spot and then for this it's like i don't know at all i did not know anything about it luckily kavika played the fucking game and shout out to Kavika. He's our boy. He's fucking ill VFX artist, editor. He can shoot, direct, whatever. Um, I called him and told him about this idea because I was like, they they like the idea of VFX. And I already told him like, oh my, I got squad. You know what I mean? Like we can do VFX easy. I called Kavika and told him, he's like, dude, I play that game. I was like, you play that game? I don't play that game. We should come over and I, just, I have some ideas. Let's brainstorm. And he came over and he's like teaching me shit about the game. I'm watching YouTube videos trying to learn what this means, what this word means. And I'm literally creating dialogue and script to try to be as realistic to the game as possible, but make sense with our characters in a couple days and we we're literally like we flew to new york and i don't we didn't even have the the whole concept wasn't even like it was approved and budget was green you, you were writing that script up until like literally the first shot yeah the first shot you yeah we were sitting at the yeah. table and i was going over yeah. it with stone stone was helping me too that was cool that he plays the game and i'm just like hey so does this make sense in the script if if this guy does this he's like actually the gun would be this type of gun and this is you know because he's an expert in it so it was cool to like have people help but i had to like really figure out how to fucking come up with a script concept the way we're going to shoot it the way it was going to be edited limited time with the the talent somehow it worked and we got all videos are out online. They're fucking hilarious. They're yeah, really funny. Amazing. But it was fun because then we, the boy, like we all get to fly out to New York and that was actually in between. So this was even, was crazier. Then right after I finished in New York, I fly to fucking South Africa with B&J. The tour is over, but they're playing at Global Citizens Festival. So we fly to South Africa. I'm in South Africa. We're doing rehearsals for, South, for the festival and shooting in the city and making content and stuff like that. And new york or the clients on the east coast for ea so while i'm doing that i'm also staying up late and i'm shooting editing or i'm editing the footage uh because i was gonna hire an editor but the way we shot it was so all over the place that it was like it wasn't gonna make sense it only made sense to me i saw it the way i i directed it and it would have probably taken more time to teach someone how to make this thing make sense so i'm editing it so i'm editing while fucking shooting and editing in in south africa so i'd be doing long days there then come back to the hotel and be up till like four or five in the morning trying to be there in the morning while they're waking up because i'm like 12 hours ahead working with the client going back and then like everything was going wrong like colors wasn't working like i had to like color shit i'm like coloring and doing sound i'm doing like all this stuff on my own while stressed out like literally delivering the files from south africa which is fucking crazy and, but I got ben, ben, where are you? I yeah. don't know what time it is, but wake up. It's always like that. It's like, <laughs> can you do it? I'm like, fuck. Yeah. But came through and got it all done, and it was like very stressful. And you didn't complain once, which is no amazing. Well, it was I think fun. It like, was like it's so cool because you're so humble and grateful for like what you're doing, and I never hear you complain. So 
I wrote that on um, our sheet. I said, say this at the end. Tell me I'm humble. <laughs> <laughs> I had just also Venmoed him $50. To say, hey, say, say the line that, that was, I was... It was actually your mom. She texted me before. She's like, make him look good at the yeah, end. Yeah, say Make this. him not look like a dickhead. We're all sending you Venmo and PayPal. Like, here's 40 bucks. Like, just say this line. <laughs> I love it. All right, so... Oh, thank you, Doug. Uh, cool. So, South Africa, you come back... Um, and I, I no, think that, then we I went think, to India. Yeah, India and Dubai. I snowboarded in Dubai. That was fucking cool. And then uh, shot this wedding dude that for the richest. It was the richest man. It was his daughter's wedding. The richest man in India. I think he's like the eighth richest guy in the world. Some shit. Fucking billions of dollars. And they hired Beyonce to play at their wedding. So she performed for like forty five minutes. It was crazy. So we're shooting that shit. That was crazy. Like Hillary Clinton walked up and shit. I was like, what the fuck? And then uh, came back and um got into the wanted to record a couple podcast episodes before the holiday got sick as fuck that fucked me up missed it now i'm back to the grind and we're doing this and so this will be the first podcast that i release maybe this is like technically season three i don't know but releasing the podcast doing the patreon trying to build it up so for the new year it's like I want Black Window Cream to elevate to another level where I can try to like hire people to help us and build more educational content, like actual physical things that you can walk away with or meetups and things like that. Like I'll have, a, I'll talk about all this at the beginning of the podcast, but I want to try to elevate everyone that is in the community and allow them to have an opportunity to learn at the highest level and provide them with shit that I did not have when I was getting started. Things that you taught me, things that this person taught me, things that I learned from B&J, things that all this stuff, you know what I mean? All that accumulated, like however I can regurgitate that back and find a way to make it like actually function as a business. Cause it's really hard to do this shit by myself. Like you, you've seen me doing this shit. Like we're working on a documentary and I'm trying to like edit, do a podcast and like the office that we're, I'm paying for and I'm not making any money. And everyone's probably like, why the fuck are you doing this shit? Like, I think at some point it can sustain itself so I can hire people like Dave and we can do certain things or fly around or have someone go out with you on a shoot and do break it down on how you did a music video or, you know I mean? There's so many ways to create content that could work and help educate people. That's what I really want to try to do in 2019 is like bring that to another level. So, um, yeah, that, I'm just trying to get this podcast to come out like twice a week. This Patreon thing, see how that helps us, helps us out with. Hopefully, we can upgrade these fucking cameras and get a studio, official studio space. Because, and in the meantime, we're gonna launch our creative agency and take over, uh, take it over, man. Dude, so big much year. shit. I'm excited. Know. Is there three takeaways that you want to give back to the people? If you could talk to somebody who was in your place back when you were in Iowa, what would it be? Hmm, that's a good question. Did didn't you do this at the end of yours? Uh, you probably. said 10 things you would do. Oh, no, I gave, a, I gave 10 filmmaking rules. Yeah, they're this so is good. three tips that you would give to somebody who was in your shoes back when I met you. Right. So give without anything, any expectation of anything in return. Say yes. Tell you can say no. Literally like just say yes to shit. I remember saying yes. to. I think I did said yes to a sizzle. Like you guys were gonna, riveting was gonna have me edit a sizzle. Like, can you edit a sizzle? I had no idea. Oh, was what, it a reality show? Reality show or yeah. some shit. And I didn't know what a sizzle was. I was like, yes. Like when we put steak on the grill? I didn't know so what it was. I was just like, you're so dumb. That's the <laughs> stupidest joke. But just say yes to anything. Like, and then I, I'm, there's so many times I've been like Googling how to do something while I'm there because I said I could do it. You know what I mean? And I have no fucking clue. But then if you just walk with confidence and act like you own the place and in not a dickhead way, but like that you, you're familiar and you, you can handle it. Like anything is possible, dude. That's, that's the best part about it. But uh, I think the third thing, I wish I would have learned would be um, just to try to commit to your ideas as full as possible and like 
give everything possible that you can to elevate yourself, no matter what your situation is. Like if you live in a small town in Iowa, that's not the end of it. You know what I mean? Like you can go anywhere, like anything is possible. Like we could pick up and go be in any place we want. It's just about getting there and drive, putting yourself in the driver's seat and really fucking hauling ass. Like how can I elevate the situation I'm in and make it the best for me? Even if you can't leave, how do you make that shit work for you? Cool. Boom. I open for artists that are fucking sick. Like, chance had to use our dj shit because his shit broke and we knew how to help out so we like hooked him up with our shit and helped him play the show and tried to steal his fans and like you know what i mean like i was making it work while being in my parents basement i made it work while living on a fucking air mattress for 15 months you know what i mean i made it work when i brought my girl out here and she had to go right back home and i left on tour and didn't make that much money but i turned around and turned that into fucking one big ass tour that paid some money and fucking got me around the world in the bougiest way with the illest artists in the world. I learned so much shit. So I guess that's, that's it. I don't even know if that's what, if I said three things, but just fucking go hammer. Yeah. I know. Super helpful. <laughs> and join black with no Hell cream. Yeah. Join black with no cream. <laughs> uh, well, I guess that's it. Yeah. That was I'm good. Super proud of you, homie. Thanks for Keep fucking it. I'm excited to see where me. this year goes. And yeah, me too, dude. Um, well, we need to do a follow up podcast with you though. Yeah, let's also, let's do, we're going to do a podcast, the same podcast next year to talk about the year, year in review, because I have a feeling it's going to be an even bigger year. A year in review podcast would be kind of hard. Yeah. We should do that shit. Yeah. Well, we're saying it today. Today right, is cool. the beginning of January. Yeah. So this time, or, you know, end of December, we're going to recap the year and see how far we've come, because I feel like it's going to be yeah real far. All right. So at the end of every podcast, I let my guests always say um, a hashtag so that if people listened this far, they can go to like our profiles and tag us in it. And the last time I had you on there, do you remember what you said? Yeah, it was like uh, Donald. Or, he uh, said, uh, "He said, oh fuck, Donald Trump or no, something." No, he goes, he didn't know what to come up with, and he goes, "Trump." You stumped me. He said, "Trump." I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And so it ended up becoming hashtag Trump IDK, and people will still That's tag right. me in That's that right. shit. But now, um. Now I'm the guest yep. on my show, so it's my turn to pick a hashtag, which is cool because I've never done that before. And I wish I would have had like a dope one in mind. So if you got this far in the podcast and you listen to this, I want to know if you made it, if you were paying attention. This is my way of knowing. So I want you to go to my Instagram. No, go to Andrew's Instagram and tag me in it at Ben World and use the hashtag. You got to tell me what my Instagram is though. They oh, go to Andrew at Andrew underscore Sandler and tag him and me. And then say, hashtag, dickhead jeans. Dickhead jeans. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny video that wow. one of my friends, two, my brother and my other friend. Hilarious. Now everyone's going to think that everybody's calling me out for my dickhead <laughs> jeans on my, on my Instagram. <laughs> oh my God. There's this fucking funny ass video I remember we watched by these dudes. They had a production company out here in LA. They made YouTube sketches called Little Hugs. I don't know who that was, but they had these funny videos and this one dude made a, uh, it was like an MTV sketch where they did like real world and the guy's trying to be this cool guy on the beach and he makes fun of his brother that comes to the thing. He's like, what are those dickhead jeans? And I remember hearing that shit and he like put like a cool logo that pointed at him and said, dickhead jeans. Amazing. I was like, what the fuck? Branding 101. Yeah. I'll remember it forever. So Mike Tucson and my brother, Sean. So dickhead jeans. And cool. that's Hashtag it. dickhead jeans. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm thanks not gonna so put thanks it. Thanks for picking me to to host this. Thanks for letting me use your living room these past two days to record podcasts. You got and, it. And being my host 
on today's episode. Um, do you want to tell them about Patreon? <laughs> Plug it, because I don't want to do another outro. Um, do you know anything about Patreon? Not really. All I know is that you should support Black Window Cream on Patreon so Ben can continue to keep giving back to the community and afford to uh, keep donating his time to providing valuable information for all y'all. Dude, so you pretty much know what it is. Is that that's, it? Yeah, that's it. What's the, how do they find it? Uh, Patreon.com slash Black Window Cream. Patreon.com slash black with no cream. By the time this comes out, it'll have be launched. It will have launched, but I'm launching it tomorrow night. So it'll be cool. Cool. Today yeah. is support Wednesday. Ben who supports y'all and he'll keep uh, putting the best shit out there. Boom. All right. Go type dickhead jeans on Andrew's Instagram. Follow right. me at Andrew underscore Sandler. Boom. It's over with later.